Hi, this is Ted Sikora, creator of Apama, the undiscovered animal and tap dance killer. Apama is about an ice cream truck driver in Cleveland who unlocks the spirit force of the most savage beast mankind has never known. And tap dance killer is about a mega talented actress who takes on the role of the tap dance killer but can't shake it and starts taking on the mafia. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> the icing on the cake right there. That's the sound of Friday. I was going to say Thursday, but they won't listen to this on Thursday. We'll be ready for Thursday. Uh, you're right. And by the time we finish and wrap up and finishing touches on it, it could be 12.01. Right. It's still not here, so. I mean, and that's if we finish after 11, which I, with, oh. with our guest tonight, I don't think we will. Keep it short. I got work to do. What? There's no I short. Mean, look, we're not doing a normal size podcast, but you know, we don't have to go four hours. Listen to him. That's how it is. I got to call an executive producer back. <laughs> Seriously, out of my line. I don't do that. Don't <laughs> You're not Jason. Oh, piss boy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody! It's eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred and fifty-three. And I'm Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Exactly. And sitting in with us this week, as usual, when Jason's away, Tony comes to play. It's true. It's Tony Fleece. We don't have to interview it. We don't have to give you the, the, the setup or the roll call with Tony. You know who he is. He's family. He's here with us. Say hi, Tony. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm, the, the boys tell me that I'm going to be a little clippy at the end of my sentences because I'm not plugged into a hard wire. So I apologize in advance, 11 o'clock army. I'm sorry this is about to happen to y'all. He but said. Try, we're going to try and bring content to make up for that technical uh, snafu. You realize that, that you sound the absolute best you've ever sounded on our show today. I love it. Here's Let me tell you what the setup is. I turned off my air conditioning. I turned off my fan. I put a sock over the microphone, <laughs> and then we're doing just live sound from the computer instead of headphones. So. Is it the same sock you use for your private time? No, no. Oh, oh that's dirty. That put that right by my mouth. Oh, that's... Well, then plus, I mean, the sound would have to penetrate that. So it's, <laughs> that's yeah. true. He couldn't hear a thing. I'm very right. very All scritchy. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know what's not dirty? <laughs> <laughs> the books you will receive from Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. That's DCBService.com. Gets you your books, gets them to you fast, and brings them right to your door for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. Hail Kirby. The list of specials have been has been posted today, and I just uh, hit it at the right time, and I selected three, and here they are. First up, from Aftershock. It's Chicken Devil, number one, written by Brian Buccellato, with art by one of my favorites, Hayden Sherman. Here's the pitch. Mitchell Moss is about as regular as it gets. He's married with two children and co-owns a successful chain of Memphis hot chicken restaurants. It's not the life that screams hero slash vigilante until he discovers that his business partner is in bed with the mob and owes them $2 million. Unfortunately, Mitch is ill-equipped to be a badass. He's just a guy who makes really good chicken. 
Can he protect his family from cold-blooded gangsters? Absolutely not. But maybe the chicken devil can. Writer Brian Bucciolato, who has been on Detective Comics, The Flash, Witchblade, a bunch of other things. And artist Hayden Sherman from Cold War, Mary Shelley Monster Hunter, and my favorite, Wasted Space from Vault. Serves up a darkly comedic crime drama that's juicy, tender, and finger-licking hilarious. I love that pitch. But anyway, it's from Aftershock Comics. The cover is amazing. It's a $4.99 book. I've, I've picked up on the down low, or the methodology of Aftershock. They have a tendency to charge $4.99 for the first issue, and then $3.99 for subsequent issues. Not on every book. It's not a rule. But I noticed on some books, they do this. So this first issue is $4.99. I don't know if that's going to continue for issue two and onward, but the first one's $4.99. But that's not what you're going to pay for it. Absolutely not. You are only going to pay $2.49. Do the math. That's half price. The meat in the middle comes from Oni Press. This is a little book called Dirtbag Rapture. And it is written by Christopher Sabella with art by Kendall Good. And it is said to uh, detail the adventures of a stoned, selfish young lady. And she's all that stands between us and the end of the world. Where do you go when you die? Not New Jersey. Uh, Cat, a stoner with a flexible moral code, can answer that. And the answer is not very far. Unfortunately for Cat's peace of mind, a near-death experience has left her with the ability to see and hear ghosts, as well as take them into her mindscape, so she can bring them to locations of their choosing, essentially playing a transporter to the deceased. But when Cat discovers she's the key to a demonic plan to screw up the whole world, must be Republican, she is forced to take an active role in the battle between good and evil. And she's not thrilled about it. I like this pitch a lot. See, that's why I selected these things. These all sound great. And the cover's awesome, too. Um, $3.99 cover price. Standard rate. But you can bring it on home for $1.99. Last up, from Red 5 Comics. I uh, googled the artist on this book because I was not familiar with his work. And I absolutely loved what I saw come up. This is a book called Merlin and Hector, number one. It was written by Rodolfo Santulo, but the artist's name is Jock. No C. It's J-O-K. Jock. Mm. Uh, before King Arthur, he may want to change that name. I'm just saying. Uh, before King Arthur, before Camelot, before Excalibur, there was Merlin the Swineherd, a young man of unexceptional past who has never heard of magic. Merlin is looking at a life of hard work and small comfort until his farm is attacked one night by rampaging monsters. Only local thief Hector believes him, but when the attacks increase, it will be up to these two outcasts to save their village. Three ninety nine cover price? You can have it for 45% off. That's $2.17. You cannot beat it with a stick. It looks gorgeous. So, DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books tiptoed to the door of your domicile. It is so easy. Nothing is easier. Just go there, save, and be happy. DCBService.com.
beautiful. Yeah. Lots of good books in the previews this month. That's real fascinating to me, the idea that Aftershock does a $5 first issue and then drops down to $4. It's, it's like counterintuitive to how you would usually think people do like entry-level pricing. Right, right. Well, but it I, also makes a lot of sense for the way people order first issues versus second issues. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't quote me. I may just be blowing smoke. But a lot of times I'll, I'll see a book from aftershock and i'm like oh it looks real good five bucks oh no yeah. way and then and i'll pass on it and then i keep an eye on it and next month i've noticed the, the it's not five dollars anymore it's four so i'm like okay maybe they got a, a little plan going here but um i'm i'm much more um the wheels have been greased a little bit more with aftershock now there was a time i was like no no aftershock books but uh i think their stable is uh increasing exponentially they got a lot of good people working with them so mm -hmm. who am i to say no i remember you guys were on board with animosity real hard yep. a couple years mm -hmm. ago yep yeah now, i like baby teeth i think that's like maybe my favorite donny cates really interesting okay yeah i mean it, it's the most brian k vaughn to me so like in where we're living in this no brian k vaughn comics world uh that when that book comes out, I feel like I'm getting like a, you know, like a Why the Last Man or something. Yeah. See, there's a, da a danger, sorry, of no. of doing this show. And it's uh, when one of the other guys is really hot on something, I won't even try it, depending right. on what it is. So I remember a way back, Jason wasn't extremely elated after he read Baby Teeth. So I didn't give it a shot. And, you know, maybe I was wrong to let him dictate what I've read, but uh, I, I take his opinion very seriously, yeah. right? And when he said it wasn't, you know, the best, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just skip that. So maybe I should go back and, and uh, see for my damn self what's up with I the can book. see where he would have, like, what he wouldn't have dug about it. Because I think there's a free comic book day, or maybe I just read the first issue of it, and I wasn't, like, super bowled over. But I liked uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider and Thanos enough that I was like, let me see what else. You know, like, I'm more apt to want to try somebody's creator own than their work for hire stuff, just because yeah. I feel like that's when you get the most pure, uh, you know, like that's the, the purest juice or whatever. Right. Um, and then they put out a, a hardcover that was like the first 12 issues. And then there's going to be a second hardcover that's the second 12 issues. And so I gave the hardcover a shot because I read like. I think I read like two or three, and I was like, oh, I like where this is going. Um, and when you read them all in a chunk, it might just be something that reads better in, in collection like that. Because in a chunk, it was a real page turner. Nice. Well, I'm going to look into it. Yeah. I know how you like a hardcover, too. Yeah. Not, it, it doesn't have one of those dumb dust jackets. Oh, even better. Yeah. Hey, you know what's weird? Uh, speaking of dust jackets, we're all over the place. Um I got the hardcover to the uh, DC's Dark Multiverse Volume Two, mm -hmm. and you take the hardcover, the, the dust jacket off, and the cover is beautiful. It's <laughs> it's it's got the image wrap with the 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 gloss coat on it, and I'm like, why are you wasting money printing those damn dust jackets when the book looks so beautiful without it? Like obviously, someone took great pains to make sure that that. That hardcover wrap was perfect and looked great and colorful and the whole nine yards with the typography and everything. Why 
I, 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 I just don't understand the, the purpose of a dust jacket. Does it, I mean, it's going to get dusty on the jacket anyway. Like, it's not doing anything for the book. I don't want a speck of dust touching the front of my books. I need a, something there wrapped around it at all times just to make sure. That's well, the you same. Don't have to get dust on. There are moments where, um, like the Marvel on the buses are kind of silly because they're just straight black. And depending on the time of day, there may not even be any color on the um, on the title of the book once you take the dust jacket off. So it might just be completely black all around. The um, there's there. I like a dust jacket when there's a nice surprise underneath, like with Will World, or um, apparently the Last God dust jacket folds out to the map. See, that's multifunctional, right? Then it serves a purpose other than I, um, keeping this mysterious, non-existent dust off your books. I wanted to. I I I, I opened up. Uh, Bizarro Comics, the deluxe edition, before we started tonight, because I didn't want to take off the shrink wrap while we were recording, because I know Vince loves sounds, and we have more on uh, that later. We we have uh, the, the, there's the front cover, which is the Matt Groening uh, Bizarro blowing cue bubbles, and then the back has um, uh, Jaime Hernandez with Bizarro playing puppeteer. To some Justice League members, uh, with some text on the back explaining what this book is about. But if you take the dust jacket off, you have the front cover is the reverse of the back of the dust jacket, and the back cover of the actual hardcover is the front cover is the reverse of a, a slightly close-up reverse image of Bizarro with the cue bubbles out of the pipe. It's kind of neat, just just the way they kind of just flip it. It is bizarro, so it makes sense in that context of things. But um, but at least here, they went a little. It, it wouldn't make any sense really if you just had the hard cover without the dust jacket on the shelf. Obviously, you need the dust jacket to see what the gist of it is. But uh, it, it, it 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 was neat. It made it made me smile when I took the dust jacket off. Somebody sold a bunch of hardcovers that they had thrown away the dust jackets uh, oh. to, to my LCS, and I was just enraged. <laughs> like, I was just like, "Look, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm gonna buy these half, co-? you know, like Vince Lewis from heaven. <laughs> do I get a discount? Yeah, was there a discount on them? I don't know. I, I didn't even get close to them. I was so disturbed. <laughs> I'm so mad. I, was like, I can't even be in here. Oh, like, Vince, you just throw them away, right? You don't keep them stacked up somewhere? Oh no, I just I pitch them. Yeah, I don't. I I don't like them. Um, if it's <laughs> now, if it's a novel, um, I sometimes keep them. But um, chances are very good that uh, if the 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 covers of the actual hardcover have something on them, I'll just take that. Get out of here. Get that dust jacket out of here. I just, and I rip it up in a fritter rage too. I just I don't <laughs> like dust jackets. Damn. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make it. sense knowing. Uh, having worked on the production side of books and, and periodicals, it's an extra step to do the dust jacket. And if it has spot varnish, it's another step. And if it's die cut, it's in, like the, the one um, Darwin Cook spirit book that had the die cut um, spirit oh, yeah. logo. Like that was insane because you took the I mean, I know it's for aesthetic reasons. I get it. 
But when you took the dust jacket off, there was a beautiful Darwin Cook illustration of the spirit on the front. Like, why would you cover that up? Just release it like that. That's a bonus. Yeah, it ain't a bonus. It's an extra two, three, four steps for the press people to to do. I feel like if I'm a designer, like if say we were doing like a Stray Dogs, you know, deluxe edition or whatever. Yeah, that that's like that's so hypothetical. <laughs> But I would want to have, you know, like every, like if we did one, assuming it's an image hardcover or something, they just do a hardcover and no dust jacket generally. But I would think it'd be cool to be able to use every piece of it, you know, like, oh, you can put something on the dust jacket and then something underneath, you know, it's almost like a, a slip case, you know? Yeah. You get that without having to pay big money for a big cardboard slip case. Well, Band SNA in the European uh, album format, they, they knew the score from the get-go. None of that dust jacket crap respect that's why they take uh comics seriously in europe and we just consider it kitty stuff here it's because of the goddamn dust jackets that's what it is you think so <laughs> no but <laughs> yeah just making shit up at this point yeah speaking of making shit up <laughs> i am drinking mcdonald's coffee well that will definitely make shit up yeah no not on me it doesn't Best coffee in the world. Congratulations. Oh, did you watch the the holiday movies that made us, the episode on Elf? Yes. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. It really is. It, it is really amazing. Is. Yeah. I don't know why for the life of me I thought it was based on a children's story. But it's an original story, that movie. And I, oh. I it, it blew that was the biggest part that blew me away to the whole I mean, the whole thing was fantastic. And um what's amazing about those shows is that because uh, we watched the one on Forrest Gump recently, and and it's like they didn't get Will Ferrell for the Elf movie. They didn't they didn't speak to Tom Hanks for it's like they don't they talk to Gary Sinise, they talk to Lieutenant Dan, and and they they they, they talk to a couple of people from Elf, but you don't get the uh, it's like the bigger name stars like not on it, and I don't have time for this whole yeah, it's okay, you think, um, but it's still fantastic. I I learned a lot from that episode. That was great. Well, it is an original story, but it's springboards off Rudolph. If if Rudolph didn't have the impact it did with the creative team, Elf would have never been made. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But anyway. Did you guys just see the Christmas one recently? It came out at Christmas time. Yeah, I just saw yeah, it. Yeah, no, week. yeah, I saw it. I saw it a bunch of months ago. No. Okay. I, I'm late to the party on a lot of stuff. Well it popped back up because they put out that new season and then it yeah. just goes right into the Christmas ones too. Yeah. Yeah, I want to um yeah the the Forest Gump one was was good. Um the because there's a lot of drama involved in making that. And I do want to see the one for Jurassic Park. I and watched the Jurassic Park one. That has like an interesting comic book podcast crossover this week. Because uh, the new Rob Servations, Rob Liefeld's talking about his beef with uh, Image Comics slash Todd McFarlane. And the director of the Spawn movie, this guy named Spaz, is the guy that uh, made the CGI dinosaurs work in Jurassic Park. And he's all over this uh, the. Movies that made us episode about Jurassic Park. So what is, what what's Rob's beef now? Oh, this is just old. Be- this is when uh, he quit Image, and then Image said they kicked him out, and it, it's unclear who's <laughs> <laughs> who's telling the truth. But he's he, like he's doing a two part Rob observations about it, and that is uh, all I really want to hear in my life. You know, like I don't have to listen to that every week, but if he's talking about some shit that just that, like pour that right in my veins. If you want to hear Rob Liefeld talk about what happened when he left Image Comics, yes, please. From Rob's point of view, yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How true can it be? <laughs> yeah, it's an assault, but 
I'll take it, you know. It's filtered through the lens of crazy. He said in that thing that Valentino's putting out for the 30th anniversary, like a timeline, like an Image Comics timeline. And I'm I'm not more excited for any other thing now that I've heard this. I'm just like, I can't wait to see what this is going to be. I'm fascinated by that. They did that uh, Wildstorm oral history book. (laughs) They, like, a, a person made it, and it was like, it's out of print now. You can just get the PDF of it. But as soon as I saw it existed, I was just like, I can't wait to read every fucking word of this. Wow. That's my that's my era. Like, it's my Bronze Age for you guys. Nice. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm having a Nestle Splash. It's a, <laughs> basically a bottle of water, uh, but it tastes a little bit like lemon. Okay. Uh, it's pretty nope. good. I'm back on my diet, so I can't, uh, I can't have booze. I can just have stuff that has zero calories. Gotcha. I bet you I know what Dap is drinking. What? You drinking the basil? I am not. Oh. Because I knew Tony uh, wasn't going to share a drink with me tonight. So that's still, that's downstairs on the shelf. But I, um, I am, of course, drinking some, uh, some fantastic whiskey because Michter's Unblended American whiskey pairs really well with something I'm going to discuss later tonight, uh, briefly. But yeah, tonight is uh, all about the Mictors small batch US one. It is so good. It is. Um, I need more of it, and 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 it's really not sold at the two places near me. I actually have to fucking get in the car and drive up the street to get it. Ah, there we go. Now let's talk about some comics, shall we? Let's shall. Yeah. I got a great one. I don't know if uh, it doesn't look like it's on David's list, but maybe Tony read this. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's from Dark Horse, and it was written by Cullen Bunn. No, I saw it on the shop actually yesterday, but I did not. I, I, I didn't uh, flip through it. One of the thirty-two thousand books uh, Mister yeah. Bunn writes every month. Yeah. Prolific. Um, <laughs> he is quite prolific. Illustrated by. Fran Galan, I'm going to yeah. say, yeah. And the letters are by El Torres. It's called Lucky Devil, number one. I saw, and I'm sorry, I, I saw Cullen's name on the cover before I saw who published it, because I'm like, man, my man just loves Aftershock. And I looked up, and I'm like, oh, fuck, it's a Dark Horse book. Right, right. Well, that's the thing with Cullen. He's, like, everywhere. He really is, yeah. Um, and and with Mr. Bunn, I... I, I uh, in my perception, he's a very capable writer. And more often than not, I enjoy his work. But because there's so much of it, I mean, it's the law of, of averages, right? I mean, the odds are not everything's going to click with me. So I, I've i become very picky with Cullen Bunn. Um, usually the the hinge is the person he's working with on whatever project it is. And when I saw... Galan's work, I was blown away. I had to get it. So, um, yes, I ordered it in singles, uh, and the first issue hit, and it was great. Um, it, it's a story about a, a man named Stanley. Stanley is the prototypical bad luck schleprock. The the uh, nebbish, he's pushed around, taken for granted, he's abused, he's everybody's punching bag. He is, in a sense, the world's whipping boy. Um, he's given all the shitty jobs at work that nobody wants. Like, they'll text him a list of what 
they want for breakfast and he's got to stop for all this crap uh, on his way to work. And more often than not, he'll get, you know, splashed by a puddle because he stood too close to the bus and he'll drop the stuff and have to go back and get the entire order again. Or he'll order lunch and won't be reimbursed because he put like this is the guy that everybody likes to take advantage of. Right. Glasses, real skinny, mousy looking dude. Um, He's got a super hot girlfriend, though. Uh, I I don't know how he pulled it off, but his girlfriend, Friona is um is essentially the mary jane she's the the buxom uh redheaded bombshell he calls her fee for short um she's also cheating on him with a a a stud uh when stanley goes to work the stud comes out of the elevator and and does his his job right so um for whatever reason Stanley, uh, maybe his lifestyle opened him up to this, but he becomes possessed <laughs> by a demon lord. And the demon's name is Zedarex the Tormentor, uh, Zed for short, and uh, just completely takes over Stanley's body and makes Stanley do all the things I'm guessing Stanley would have wanted to do had he had the power uh, prior to being possessed. Um, he runs roughshod over the entire office complex, burning people, killing people. People fl- are flung out of windows and smashed on the on the uh, concrete below. Like it is a bl- it's a bloodbath, and um, unspeakable things. Um, so he rains hellfire down on those who have wronged him, slaughtering his coworkers. Um, goes back to the apartment and unleashes these cenobite type assassins on Fee. And her boy toy, <laughs> just like a, just doing everything he wanted to do, killing wantonly. Um, but uh, there's a point where the demon becomes tired, and it it goes to sleep in a sense, which allows Stanley to slide into this self-loathing, remorseful, guilt-ridden um, phase because he participated in this stuff. Like he didn't actively do it, but it's his body; he experienced it. Um, and he's near suicide. So what does he do? Well, uh, he does what everybody would do. He seeks out an exorcist, and he finds one in the uh, guise of this man named Edmund, who's a cut-rate clairvoyant come exorcist. And uh, he does his work on Stanley. He, he, uh, in quote, exorcises the demon, but Edmund kind of sucked at what he did and while he purges the demon he doesn't purge the demon's powers so stanley the nebish now finds himself without a demon and still retains all of the powers of the demon uh demon's not happy uh but stanley maybe yeah uh the the um issue opens with stanley at a uh, a support group and, you know, the deal with the ring of chairs and, hi, I'm Stanley. Hi, Stanley. And he tells his story. And, and there's a, a recollection of him going to a, a fast food joint. And he's really hungry. and He doesn't have a whole lot of money. And uh, the burgers are a dollar or something. And he's counting the change. And the people behind him are getting pissed off. And he doesn't have the right amount of money because he ordered the, the burger with cheese, which makes it extra. And even without the cheese... 
it, he still wouldn't have enough. So the, the, the clerk is getting pissed off. The big lumberjack looking dude behind him is getting pissed off. They're berating him. They're, 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 they're throwing language at him. And Stanley just flips the fuck out and destroys the entire restaurant. There's a double page spread, uh, guts hanging out, decapitations, uh, uh, what looks like rape to me, just blood everywhere. And Stanley has a little glint in his eye at the, the self-help group because he's like, you know what? I think we should go get ours. Um, so some of the demons' cocksure composure uh, has been retained. And Stanley's going to take what he believes he deserves in life, and he's going to give him a taste of hell in the process. Uh, the book clicked with me immediately because I am prone <laughs> to... Uh, to uh, uh, squelched rage. Like, if I had superpowers, this world would be a very different place. And um, I can understand the frustration Stanley feels uh, wanting to lash out at all the assholes in the world um, and being unable to do it. Like, if you could fly and and spit fire and command an army of, of Cenobite-type things, like, yeah, I'm going to do it, you know? Better get out of my way. So I can understand being frustrated with the the status quo and the people that live in within that. And uh, I mean, it's, that's pretty universal, right? You guys can probably feel the same way to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. somebody cuts sure. in line at a grocery store. I, yeah, I yeah, you want to rip their spine out. I get it. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I'm no, I mean, whenever I, I'm for me, the go to is Twitter. Whenever I fire up to Twitter and I see these things flying by and I'm just like, man, psh, uh, if I was the Hulk, it would be totally different. Uh, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, um, but it, like I said, it was the art that really locked me in. And this um, this Fran Galan, I'm seeing a little bit of Chris Mitten. Right. There's a smattering of Jack Davis. And the the line looks like the, the that gritty scrape that Dan Panosian has. It's just the, the the art is just gorgeous, just beautiful work. Yeah. I was gonna say uh, George Corona. Yeah, yeah, little little uh, Corona in there. Corona? Yeah, I didn't want to correct him, but um, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's Jorge. But the uh, the visuals are are super stunning. Um, you'll see one. Uh, for the uh, featured image for this episode. But if you want to see the art, go to 11oClockComics.com and click on the episode link for this and go to the gallery and you'll see pages from this book. Um, if you're squeamish, maybe you don't want to go in there because they're quite uh, wet and drippy. But this book is phenomenal. And I'm so glad I ordered it in singles. I took a chance and it paid off in, in, in uh, extreme dividends. It's a wonderful book. Right up my alley. You ordered yeah. this singles, did you? I did. Mm. Yeah. I could see this as an episode of, um, you know, a Tales from the Crypt type show or maybe even a feature film. You know, uh, maybe an independent studio with uh, a lot of buckets of uh, stage blood. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, this is this book would be uh, brought to vivid life by Tom Savini. Like, that's the kind of violence you're going to see in this book. Really gut-wrenching, ripped flesh-type violence. There's not a whole lot of it, but what there is, it's really uh, disturbing. Beautifully yeah, disturbing. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're uh, you're hoping that there will be more violence in the future. There is some, there's some real gore in here. 
but like the the one shot you're talking about in the restaurant, uh, it, it's so pulled. It's like pulled back that you can see the extent of the violence. How many yeah. people it's to? But also at that, you know, it's like that thing where at a certain point it's a statistic. You know, it's just like. I saw one of those people, like in in Red Room, you see those people just like destroyed one at a time. Yes, if graphically and in 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 relative slow motion. Yeah, yeah. This but is here, the where answer. So many people all at once. You're just like, oh man, he really fucked everybody up. Well, it would be like a hundred page issue if he they showed what he did to every person in there. I would <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Hundred pages, Vince. Yeah, that's a great hundred pages. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, if you're adventurous and you know you like the the gore and the the and you can feel what it what it uh, feels like to be ostracized and displaced and and feeling futile and and uh, uh, depowered. This is kind of a book that I think speaks to a lot of people. Yeah, it's a great book. I think Cullen um, really uh, has his finger on some kind of pulse here. I like it a lot. Yep. Nice. Yeah. You brought up Mary Jane. This is a real aside, uh, but mm. I was watching Pretty Woman last night uh, because the Netflix show we were discussing yeah. has a Pretty Woman episode, but those very good. Uh, and watching that, I was just like, "Oh, that's 1990. That's the Mary Jane that Todd McFarlane's drawing." Julia Roberts. Yeah, because you think about like yeah, that hair that he does, hair. where it's yeah. like big and goes sideways, and I think, she, and then. The dress that she wears, she wears that red and white dress in the movie, and that to me looks like the exact same cut of that one shot of Wanda in Spawn, where she's got. I mean, that's years later, but oh I feel like yeah, I must have yeah. been a big Julia Roberts fan. Yeah, maybe when we have him on, we'll ask him. <laughs> yeah, but I love Runaway Bride, Notting Hill, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. There you go, the sock puppet. So what else do we have here? What you got, Tony? Who's? Oh, you, it's okay. <laughs> I never know the order. Uh, I read a couple books. I uh, I've been busy and haven't. I've been buying my weekly comics, but I haven't been keeping up too well. Uh, so I picked a couple books up off of the Regine today and and went through them. Um, and I got this book, Finger Guns. Did you guys talk about this at all yet? It's a no. vault book. Um, I picked it up because I was on a podcast with the writer, Justin Richards, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the pitch sounded interesting to me. I'd, I'd like seen art from it, and I was like, oh, let me see what this is about. Um, Did you say so this was a vault book? It's a vault comic, Finger Guns. Uh, I read the trade paperback. Writer, Justin Richards. Art, Val Halvert- Halverson. Colorist, Rebecca Nalty. And uh, Taylor Esposito on the letters. Um it's an interesting concept. So the concept of the thing is it's these two teenagers. I, I think all the books I'm going to talk about tonight, uh, you t- like Vince is definitely not for you. <laughs> this is, this is like, just like a teenage show. It's like, uh, Dawson's Creek or something for, for my olds, for my other olds. Um, but it's these two kids and they, both of them sort of feel alone. Um, and they both feel, figure out that they have the power to change people's emotions by pointing finger guns at them. So, you know, when you're like, Hey, they wow. point a finger gun at somebody, then they can make them like, uh, more brave or more frightened or just sort of like heighten up their emotions. Um, and that both of them are having like trouble at home 
the boy, his father's not around as much, and his mom passed away a few years ago. And but the girl, uh, their names are Wes and Sadie. Uh, and the girl has a father who's abusive to her mom, and the mom is uh, not quite a legal citizen yet, and so she can't report it or anything because she could just lose her mom. You know, like people could come up and say, like, "All right, well, we don't know what to do here, but this lady's not supposed to live in this country, so it could be a real disaster for her." So um, it's about them sort of like meeting each other and then trying to figure out how to use these finger gun powers. Um, and, and then she tries to use them to fix things at her home where she'll like try and calm down her father by using finger guns on him. Um, and then eventually she's like, I've had enough with this guy. I'm going to push it the other way and, and try and enrage him. They find out sort of, it has to do with American sign language too. So at first they think they're just pointing finger guns, but then when they look up sign language, they're like, Oh, this means this. And this means that it's all, it's none of it's like super clear i feel like what i could have used in this book is like a a chalkboard page you know which uh which i get the impulse to not do but also like i just want somebody to go like here's where we are here's what's going on you know like almost this the everybody's first everybody's comic is a first issue you know yeah just like keep me up to speed where, where with with everything's at and also uh there's a the boy's father is just like a nondescript white dude. And then there's a guidance counselor at the school who also comes around. He's a nondescript white dude. And at one point he comes to the boy's house. And at that point, it's just like anybody's game. <laughs> who's the, who's, who's in the house, you know? And, and he called the boy's son. And I was just like, Oh, this is clearly his father. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> three pages later, I was just like, well, that's not his dad, you know? Um, but it's a fun story. You know, like it's a short, uh, interesting story and the and it has some surprises in it like some stuff happened and i was just like oh shit that's you know that's neat i didn't expect that um so yeah it's worth a read you know if you see a copy if you get it off of uh you know cheap graphic novels or in stock trades or whatever i would recommend getting it off of either of those two places not amazon because i got it off amazon and they sent it to me in like a a bubble mailer oh just no a, just alone and it showed up shaped like the letter s like yeah it, it was just bent all the hell. The spine is uh, is destroyed. I had to set it underneath a bunch of books for a few days before I could even open it. Um, that's disrespectful. I hate that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready. I'm about to put it out of trade, though. I'm sure Amazon's going to be sending my shit out in <laughs> bubble mailers. <laughs> uh, I really like the colors in this. Uh, special shout out to Rebecca Nolte. I thought she sort of stole the show a lot of times. Um. And and like I said, I think the concept is super neat, and I like a, I like a teenager, you know, like I like a Never Have I Ever on Netflix or uh, Riverdale or whatever. So if th- if that's your jam, this is worth a look. Uh, I give it like a, not hearty, but a eh, give it a look, you know. Yeah, the the drawing style is really clean. I like that. Um, yes, yeah. the covers are great. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with that. The storytelling, like I said, is a little muddy in places. Um, and it's the second thing I'm going to talk about when we come back around. Uh, similar similar issue, but I think they are, are much more successful with it. Uh, and I and I I don't want to ascribe you know intent or how somebody's process works, but a lot of times when I see uh, books by n- like newer artists where they have like a great style. Uh, but then the storytelling gets a little muddy. I feel like it just comes from like 
your layout is your first pass. I got a plane going overhead here. That's so cool, though. No, that's good. Um, you know, like, you just do the layout, and you're just like, all right, that's good. Let's just move on. Um, and I feel like a second, you know, like a second go around where you just, like, take another crack at it and see, like, what might be a cleaner way to tell the story might have resulted in a in a, a more coherent read. But No, I get it. Yeah. Um, I've seen... I've I've um, picked up that um, younger artists are very very willing to go with their first layout. Mm-hmm. Like okay, this is done because I have a, a job to do or a project to do, and this is the layout, so I'm just going to use this. And what I've been doing is, um, like in math class, how you used to have to show your work. Right. Uh, when they finish a project, I want to see the work. If they have one thumbnail for the layout. I take off because that's not enough, right? I want to see two. I want to see three thumbnails for the layout. You can't tell me that throwing it down in one pass, that's the best composition that you could possibly devise. It's not possible. Right. Right. And especially when it's a collaboration too, like when, when I, like when I do thumbnails for dogs or for my other stuff or versus like me doing thumbnails for ponies or some star Wars or something where somebody else is writing it. Um, you definitely need to think more about it when somebody else is writing it. Cause it's not even like when you write it yourself, you have a vision of it in your head already, you know, like, right. Or at least I do. Like when I write it, I picture like, this is how it's going to go down. Um, but when you're translating somebody else's ideas, you know, it might take a crack or two to, to, to get it right. And, I've, you know, I've been on the other side of it too, where like you're saying, like, I'm just trying to get this thing done. I got a deadline or whatever. And you just, you know, sometimes you, <laughs> you got to crank out a page or two. That's not your, the, the one you would have liked to have done, but. Right. I, I often direct them to change bodies. Like say they're, they're doing an illustration of a, a serial killer chasing kids. Right. And you mm-hmm. see it from the back of the serial killer with the reaction from the 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 prey right i tell them switch bodies throw yourself in the bodies of the kids what are they seeing just so you can get another uh perspective layout um it's probably not going to be better i mean in that instance but so what let's do it just do it right the more you fidget with layouts the more uh the more the instinct kicks in the next time like because you've crossed that bridge you know that it didn't work so then you you know you've crossed off that that possibility for a, a, another layout of similar type. It's just, it's not going to kill you to do another thumbnail, right? Also, the longer you, you do it, the more shots you will have drawn. So you sort of have like more, uh, more stuff in your arsenal. Sure. It's just like, okay, well, I, I might not have put the camera over here, but I've done that before and that worked in this situation. Or like, you're just thinking about like, you know, Things, not even things you've done before, but just sort of like once you do a thing, you're like, I can do that thing. Right. So, like, a lot of times, like, I don't know, I think it's sort of a, a weakness, but it's like you get backed into a corner in a script, and my trick is always to pull way out. And the the shitty version of it is you just have a small, like, a panel where all your characters are very small. Right. And that's not interesting because it's just like a wide shot in, in a. And it, where it's not intentional, you know, like you use a wide shot really effectively, but if you're just doing it because you have too much dialogue or you got everybody's talking in the same panel or whatever, um, then th- then that can sort of be that'll be the weakest panel on your page. But the the way to fix that I've found is you turn that into an opportunity to do like an overhead, yeah, 
and then that way you do like a three quarter overhead and then that way you're showing people you're reminding people about the space and the setup and it's a neat looking shot and you can sort of you know like that's the do a little extra hard work way of getting of, of doing that that wide shot yeah you that just makes- na- you nailed it you just said uh do a little extra hard work um a lot of these kids are not willing to put in the extra work and, and they, I do it too. Like, yeah, it's not well, just, it's, it's, you know, it could be you've got a day to get the thing done. Right. Well, there's, it, it, the proof is in the pudding. You are laying out and drawing comics for real that people are reading and enjoying and talking about. How many of these kids are actually going to get to that point? That's, right. that's Darwin at play, right? Are you still teaching? Are you going to keep teaching next year? Yeah, I'm still doing it. I love it. I'm a sucker. Out there nurturing. Yeah, yeah. I just love the blank stares when I put the Mobius up. <laughs> and they're just like, uh, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Dap, what are you enjoying? Uh, oh, I think I mentioned um, pairing tonight's drink with uh, with an anthology that um, I was lucky enough to get a sneak peek of. Um I don't know if Jason's read it on his uh, on his holiday, but uh, this is called DUI, called Drawn Under the Influence from our friends over at the uh, Awesome Comics Podcast community, uh, which of course includes our boy Tony Esmonds, and um, and this is edited by our good friend Miss Sarah Harris, and basically. Uh, the gist of this anthology, uh, a bunch of friends, a bunch of friends who all love comics, uh, maybe even have created some comics, they have drink and draws, and and remotely at times too, especially over this past year and change, and um, someone had the bright idea that, well, listen, you know, we all love comics, why don't we tell some stories, and uh, I'm not going to go through the entire forward and and explain to you why how this came about uh it's going to print so hopefully us in the states will be able to get it but this was one of um one of my favorite anthologies like ever and there's some things in this that, that there's one creator in particular uh who i had to i slid into his dms to let him know that you know i just thought it was a fantastic story uh it's his first comic book work period and i absolutely was blown away by the story it's one of my favorite things in the entire book there are a couple there are quite a few things that i absolutely adore in dui Uh, they're all fun stories and not necessarily fun as far as tone uh because some of them are on the darker morbid side some of them are just flat out nuts because if you're going to have tony esmond's write a story then yeah it's going to be a little wacky and out there but um there's there's going to be some inside jokes or at least some things that folks on the side of the pond might not get uh which is fine because i'm sure there are things that are in our comics that uh some people that non-US citizens that, that that folks across the pond and, and, and overseas and won't um won't quite get. But there are some things in here, um, like Little Red, 
the colors are just, I mean, like they're top notch. Like you really wouldn't flip through this and think think some of these stories just are go beyond what you'd find in some uh, indie small print run books. Uh, There's a, uh, there's a there's a real fun one pager called fucking duck because I just I love that phrase anyway so I was like this is this is perfect and and of course it's one of it's one of Tony's stories um, there's a uh, my favorite actually there's that might be tied there's a um, there's one one page story um, called uh, as it goes around what goes around comes around. And it's 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 a Jimmy Angle, um, I'm sorry, Jimmy and Jimmy Angel short, um, and it's uh, it's yeah, it's just it's it's a simple one page, no no dialogue. The word balloons all have uh, cartoon drawings in to get the point across. But uh, but it, I got to the end, as to the bottom row of of panels, and and the the story ended way different than I thought it was. Uh, it was it was going to end up there's a story called pet peeve which is really really um pretty cool and the kids from wreck road remind me of um of some friends from high school uh and the the puns and and jokes you make around other comic book reading friends um of a certain age, there's a uh, there's there's a Don McGregor joke. They 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 ribbed Don a little bit. Um, there's one dude on the floor who's just talking about the breast. Good lord, the breast! And 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 two of his friends walk by and say, "What's up with him?" Oh, he's just read his first Richard Corbin comic, and it is just some really amusing things throughout that story. Um, but the one that uh, blew me away is called Where Are They? And that's by um, Alan Purdy. And this is his first first thing he committed to a um, to a comic book. It's 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 wordy, but in a great way. And 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 it, it kind of flies by. Uh, but overall, I mean, I just thought this was an absolute blast again. You know, I mean, when we have things like, you know, A Time of Hercules, we, we, we know what. We know what our friends can create and 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 what they can put out in the world and this this was just a lot of great stuff between two covers i i can't wait for um for it to be available really i i just it's it's one of those things where i there are some anthologies that i love reading anthologies and i seek them out and again you know you you read an anthology and there's a dozen or so stories in there and they're not they may not all knock your socks off but um there really isn't a bad one in the bunch here and 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 you know i i'd read one and i would be blown away by the next one and and it was just a lot of fun i'm really really happy with uh and proud of the work these folks did i and it wasn't it wasn't something that i sat down i was like i'm bringing this to the table tonight i just i i i was reading it and as i'm reading it i'm like this is just this is really something that i think other people other people should be aware of and and i hope i hope the folks involved in this um do more but i just i absolutely i wanted to get i wanted to speak on this uh before i may get uh 
too tipsy and um and blabber my way through it and and not give it the uh the respect it deserves because it, it it was a lot of fun and i mean and, and you know tony has um the tony fleece of course is broken bread with uh with tony Esmonds and at, at New York and we've um you know, we we met Sarah when she uh she made it over and um you know so we know some of the people involved in this and uh they're funny and talented folks but this th- this was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad you know and, and and it's great that something like an off the cuff comment or you know, hey listen, we all just got together, we're shooting the shit, we're talking about whatever. Um we should do something. I mean, it just, it reminds me of low concept in that regard. It, it's, you know, these are just a bunch of people who got together, have, have shared interests, the, the like-minded, uh, interest and, and they, um, magic happens. I, you know, we've, we've got three trades of, of things that were just put together because we had a podcast and we had a forum and people got together and it was a magical, wonderful thing. And, and I absolutely love it. And there's some prized possessions and they're right next to me um on the bookshelf here this this reminds me of that this is up there with that it's um when when you just have a bunch of people coming together to make it again you know we can tell we can bring it back to the image creators you know i mean yeah they what they did was this came out of uh what they felt as as slight and 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 disrespect and uh not not feeling the love from from the corporate overlords, so they went and did their own thing. But what they did gave birth to so much fun, and and you know the the publisher's still around today, and and we're talking about things, and we have someone on tonight who's you know who's who's got a book out from that publisher. So it's just it's these are the kind of things that when I think about comics and 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 why. I'm such a fan of of the medium and why I enjoy hanging out with you fools and talking about things like this. Um, DUI is one of those things that makes me happy to be a comic book fan. So that's that's one thing that uh, that I've read this week that I absolutely fawned over a lot. I Fun. gotta take exception with this book. It's completely ungoogleable. Like I don't know how to find this thing. I, the whole you're not time- going to. You're not going. It's, it hasn't made its way to the printer yet. Sarah oh. says it's going to the printer. I think next week. Um, it's it's a rough. It's it's basically I, Jason and I got to see the basically they they like the print files that are going to the printer. It, it's so. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm basically this is this is a heads up. But I wanted to let Sarah know and Tony that uh, that that I read it, loved it, and. Um, I, it, I I need more of it. Kickstarter, or is it just going to be for sale? I don't know if they're going to have it at any cons, at any upcoming UK shows. I don't know. I mean, Tony Tony's got his uh, his ways of getting the books out there, whether it's uh, whether it's Kickstarter like Atomic Hercules or or through any of the other websites he's connected to. Uh, it probably I I would guess it's going to be. Um, available for sale online uh eventually i don't think it's i don't I, like i don't think it's a limited print run or anything like that um i'm not sure where you'll be able to find it once it's available at least not yet but we will let everybody know once we find out hmm. neat i got yeah. a fun fact for you what's your fun fact 
those boobs that that person was talking about from the Corbin comic, yeah, chances are very, very good that they belong to a, a lady named Karen Gilbertson, because that was Mr. Corbin's go-to girl for a model. She had hmm. everything that she was his his feminine ideal, and he okay. used her in almost everything. Um, if you would want to see what this woman looks like, just Google Karen Gilbertson. She was a she was a peach. Yeah, I, I believe she's still alive. Maybe. Um, unfortunately, Corbin is not. But um, when you look at the time travel stories and the covers and the all those those very uh, well endowed women, that's all Karen Gilbertson. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. I'm sending you a sneak peek, Tony, through the chat. Nice. I thank you. You're welcome. I was just too, I was looking up Karen Gilbertson over here. I was just so distracted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I heard a few. Did I read a few? I, um, yeah, I mean, this was an anthology by a bunch of different people. That I, I read an anthology that's by one particular creator that it's physically a short book with um with some short stories inside and but yeah and, and i'm still making my way through cry punch so i mean it was just it was it was kind of an anthology heavy week I will tell you where you are. You are about to enter hell, Bartholomew. Hell! The Netherlands. The infernal regions. The abode of the damned. The place of torment. Pandemonium. Shaban. Prophet. Gehenna. Naraka. The pit. And the pendulum. You want to get campy? Get a Do little, I? Get a little kitschy, little fourth yeah, wall I'm, breaking. I'm dying to uh, to hear about this because I am really. I've I, I was curious about it when I saw it solicited. There wasn't really a chance of me reading it, but I, I was hoping you would so I could find out more about it. It's perfectly silly and stupid and everything that I look for. In, in comics, it, it has the the jiggle, the TNA that I love. It has the uh, – it genuflects at the altar of the horror host and the Saturday afternoon monster movie. And uh, it, this is like perfect comics for me. Uh, it's from Dynamite. It's written by David Avalone with art by Juan Samu and color art by Juan Pereira. It's Elvira meets Vincent Price. It is – the silliest thing but uh i loved every single page of this book um the setup is the typical elvira setup in 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 many ways she's her career's on the skids it's in the toilet she's she's trying to pitch ideas uh to studios with her her buddy eddie and she's having no luck at all studios don't want to bite um 
because maybe uh, she's getting up there in age a little bit and she's not, um, you know, there, there's an ageism, ageism thing in, in uh, not only America, but the world, most of the, a lot of the world. Um, so uh, this this fading star is is trying to just make ends meet, you know, and she uh, is down on her luck. So she she drinks away her woes and she she falls into a dream. And she finds herself, appropriately enough, given the title of the comic, smack dab in Roger Corman's The Pit and the Pendulum. She's strapped to that. I don't know if you've ever seen Pit and the Pendulum. There's a raised platform in the middle of the the catacombs that Vincent Price straps. Um, It doesn't really matter, but uh, there's a shot in this comic that is exactly that raised platform from Roger Corman's Pit and the Pendulum. Um, so she's she's on the table, and the pendulum's a swing in, and, you know, when you're Elvira and you're struggling and you're tied down, certain things are going to be pronounced, right? You know, she's a beautiful woman. Um, well, anyway, uh, she's saved. And who saves her? Vincent Price. <laughs> and it's ridiculous because throughout the whole issue, he bounces around like he's not the same physical construct in every scene. He'll start as uh, the Frederick Lauren character from House on Haunted Hill. And then he becomes Edward Lionheart from Theater of Blood. Like, it's crazy. And he he explains it away, saying that that's Elvira. Because she's such a fan, she loves Vincent Price, and she has seen all his movies that she is projecting her her mental images of him and that's the construct that he takes it it's it's a neat way for the artist to to flex right um but conceptually it works really well because there's one scene where he walks price comes into the scene and he's in gray tone he's in he's black and white because house on haunted hill was black and white and then when he when he becomes edward lionheart which was a color uh, picture he he gets full color like it's there's a conceptual reason why he changes uh, through the issue i thought that it was just it's a nice little touch it's it's not grand concept but it's cool right um but anyway uh vincent price needs elvira's help he doesn't see before he can say why her phone rings and uh she's pulled out of the dream and it's her agent and uh turns out there's a new horror host uh, making the rounds. There's a lot of buzz, and it's a female, and her name is uh, Cleopatra, goddess of darkness. Elvira's pissed, right? Because this this young filly's getting this huge buzz. Elvira can't sell anything. Turns out the the showrunner of this new young horror host is none other than Elvira's buddy, Eddie uh, Mezzogiorno. So she's betrayed, you know, and and then she drowns her sorrows not with alcohol this time but she puts movies on she watches house on haunted hill and vincent price talks to her from the freaking tv and he steps into the waking world in black and white and he tells her all right here's the deal as eloquently as vincent price would have uh explained it because as i read his dialogue balloons i'm hearing the voice of vincent price in my head it's inescapable you you there's no way around it. That's what inescapable means. Um, so he, he, he goes into this, this soliloquy about this movie called Rise of the Ram. 
And and legend has it that Vincent Price was uh, slated to appear in what would have been a series of Zodiac-themed horror films. Uh, this one called Rise of the Ram. Um, and a, a movie rag gave one of their reviewers the job of writing a review of the film. And the reviewer was lazy, uh, good for nothing, as most reviewers are. Um, and he didn't even bother to see the movie. So he wrote this scathing review of a film he never saw because it didn't exist. The movie was never made. And so this movie rag looked like they looked like assholes because they, they printed a review of a film that was non-existent. And then other movie periodicals and, and books just uh, kept doing the same. They would take that review verbatim and keep reproducing it. So the legend of this, this non-existent film, um, but Vincent Price says, no, we did make the movie. And we need to find the last surviving print of this film because if we don't, the world's going to end. And that's the hook for the first issue. Elvira and Vincent Price tooling around, trying to find this print. Uh, there's a, a giant creature at the end of the first issue. I won't say. Go read it. Um, but it's just silly. It's silly, campy, fun. Elvira will look right at you as you're reading it and talk directly to you. Um, there's a lot of eye candy in this book. I think the the artist was um, very versatile because he captured the younger Vincent Price very well. He captured that scraggy, you know, uh, roughshod Vincent Price from um, Theater of Blood. Uh, I, I, th I thought this issue was just great. And it, it there's a tune being played here, and it's exactly my frequency. So, um, you know, this may not appeal to you, so take this whatever I just did with a grain of salt, because this is my, my lifeblood, right? And I just loved it. There's, there's a, a bunch of different covers, as Dynamite is wont to do. Um, yeah, I, it was just a whole bucket of fun. You know, there's no real deep meaning to this thing. If you like horror films, if you like Elvira, if you, you know, this is going to click. If not, you know, move on. But I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I think the caricatures are really nice in this too. Oh yeah, and when she does that, that when she when she like scrunches her face and does that little Elvira thing, I think he nailed yeah. it. You know, yeah, um, yeah. And it's not, I I could see on the Vincent Price drawings where maybe he could have used stock photos or you know did the old um, pause of the DVD, but that's okay, you know. But for the Elvira, it's totally off the cuff. There's not any. Um, there's no tracing going on here. There's no, uh, uh, not a whole lot of reference for the Elvira. Like this is, this is uh, Juan Semu's character. Like he's getting Elvira down. Yeah, so, he just really captured her, her, yeah. her character. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times with those uh, likeness things, like you'll draw it the first time around, and then they'll just be like, "Well, could you get it closer?" And that's when you just trace a photo of the, you know, right, like, right. Because sometimes, like I'm looking at it, and sometimes it'll be, uh, you know, more. Uh, more stylized and then sometimes it'll just be a spot on Vincent Price and I, I it, my guess would be that's the one where the estate of Vincent Price is like this is a little off and then he's just like alright fuck it yeah yeah I'm a huge fan of Vincent Price I love everything he's ever been in we and, watched uh, Mask of the Red Death oh uh, nice when COVID was really popping 
Uh, and that was a very appropriate viewing because <laughs> it was just sick people outside and and people inside just partying. Like when people were throwing those influencers were throwing those like beach house parties. Uh, it just felt like Mask of the Red Death to me. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and apparently, um, Theater of Blood is Vincent Price's favorite film. Mm. I, I don't know if that was uh, a bit of the estate um, making that into the issue, but uh, that I didn't know, um, whether it's true or not. I, it's my favorite Vincent Price movie. I love his movies from the 70s. The older ones are, are great, but the Corman ones are, are wonderful, but the, 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 the string he made in the 70s, oh, God, they're so good. Uh, like, who doesn't love Dr. Fibes? Shut up. Yeah. You know? And uh, in um, Theater of Blood, Emma Peel. I like those. Uh, I like the Poe ones a lot. Those, uh, th- yeah. That's like the easiest one to get me to watch. Yeah. Well, they yeah. drop uh, Corman's name a bunch of times in this issue, too. So if you're a fan of low-budget movies, uh, again, this is you need to check this out. I wonder if Corman will show up in this. I don't know. Be nice. It'd be yeah. cool, right? Yeah, well, they're looking for it. Also, the way you described the plot, it sounds like a uh, friend of the devil, but just like the goofball version of that. You know, like they're looking for a print of this hard to find, possessed, you know, movie. Right. Just like in Brubaker. Yeah. Yep. Neat stuff. Yeah. Looks fun. Looks a lot more fun than the, the Betty Page stuff that they do over there. Um, that like I'm always confused as to what that like what that comic is for. Right. This one, this one, you pick it up and you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I want out of this. There are sometimes uh, some series where, um, and and I'm at a loss for the the artist's name. The artist will nail it. Like he he has the spirit of Betty captured. Yeah. And then there are some that yeah, it's just a pretty brunette. You know, Betty Page yeah. was far more than just a pretty brunette. Um, you know, in my mind, one of the, if not the most striking woman ever to walk the face of the planet. And if you don't nail it, that's why I, I unfairly, I judge these younger girls that obviously have been influenced in the cheesecake photography by Betty and they do the same poses as Betty and they have the bobbed hair like Betty and, you know, they're trying to be Betty. You're never going to be Betty. Just stop. Like it's it's okay to be influenced, but take you know, pick the bones and make it your own. Don't try and be Betty because you're gonna fail every time. I don't care how beautiful you are, you're never gonna be Betty Page. Allow me to uh take the opposite stance on this and say don't just stop. Uh I'm always down with more of a good thing. That sounds fine to me. Continue with with what you're doing over there. I mean, mm-hmm. goodness gracious. I like you're, you're, what are you you're... trying to ruin Instagram? <laughs> Come on, there's a lot of Betty Page wannabes out there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I, I like I, the original, you know, I like J. Scott Campbell, I like Jim Royal. Uh, okay. I, lo- I, I love Betty. <laughs> I and, like Joe Madureira, I like Roger Cruz. Um, these, are, these are contemporary references. No, I get it. Uh, you <laughs> know, if, I mean, if we're talking <laughs> Betty, Dave Stevens, Jim Silkey. Oh, yeah, kind of. That's it. There. That's yeah. it. Right. That's where you draw the line. No, maybe a little Mark Schultz. Kind of yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. The yeah, line has been that. drawn forty years ago and no further. Well, I am old, right? True. Yeah. We all are, buddy. Yeah, they're his contemporaries. Yes, 
But uh, like I said, I'm I am unfair when it comes to judging the young ladies who who do the Betty Page stick. Sorry, but that's how it is. Ain't gonna change. You gotta follow your heart. That's right. Yep. All right. Am I up? If you, you so desire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about, I read today, uh, I started reading it before and I started, I went back to the beginning cause it was a very short book and I don't know how I got 10 pages into it and then must've had something else happen. Um, but I read Maids by Katie Skelly. Did you guys already talk about this? No. Came out last year. Um, I read Katie Skelly's other book, uh, the vampire one. What's that thing called? Uh, My Pretty Vampire, uh, and I liked that, but it was uh, it was sort of you know like it was just a comic, like it was slight. Uh, this one is a lot meatier. It's got like uh, it's based on a true story. Um, it's the story of uh, Christine, Christine, and Leah Papin or Papin, uh, who were you know young girl maids um, in the. Let me flip through here. I got dates. Uh, in Le Mans in 1931. Uh, so this story takes place in like 1931, 1929, around then. Uh, these these two girls, sisters who were hired as maids by a family, and it sort of uh, talks a little bit about uh, where they where they came from. Um, they they had a, a mother who was a drunk and sort of sent them away to work, and then they would send money back to her to. So that she could pay her bills and stuff. Um, they had lived in a convent for a little while before this, um, and uh, n- n- not particularly ha- happy lives. But they're sisters, and when they're together, they sort of have their own like little secrets, and and they're happy together. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, I have sisters, and I recognize a lot of the the sort of like shorthand between sisters in this, and like the. Um, like telepathy you know like where where you can sort of be in the zone with somebody that you're related to or that you're super close with um and you just sort of like know what they need or what you know what you can do to help them um and also but what's great about this is that it's also about this darkness because uh these girls eventually um freak out and kill the people that they're made for um and then they you know Go to jail, and, and one of them is supposed to get executed, but she uh, she starves herself in prison. The other one serves a few years, but then gets out and continues to work as a maid um, in hotels until the year two thousand one. So she lived for for a great long time after this. The other sister, the the, the younger sister, um, but it's Katie Skelly, um, and you know what that looks like. It's like that that very stylized sort of like fashion style. Um, uh, like it's very um, Lord and Taylor line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, a lot of times they'll look like um, like pat, like not fashion illustration, but like the illustrations on patterns. You know, yeah. like when, when when my mom would buy uh, clothing patterns, they sort of remind me of that. Like wayfish. Yes. Uh, yeah, and the, and her doing a period piece here, I think, is pretty interesting, just because. Um, in my pretty vampire, which might have been like a like a, a '60s thing, but I, I think that might have just been the vibe of it. It always just sort of reminds me of like a a youthful modern style. 
Um, and so to, to use that style on a, on a 1930s piece is, is interesting and it, and it's sort of, I feel like it works really well. Um, similar to what I was talking about with the other book where, um, it, I think that that one was always using their first, uh, layout. Um, in this case, you could tell that like, she's, she's planned this stuff out a lot of the time. Um, and, and like, she's doing effective layouts there's a couple things that are unclear but like for the most part it's just you know like just like quality storytelling um yeah i liked it the whole way through it's a fanographics book so like you know that like quality wise it's on point like the paper's great and the no shitty dust cover but nice (laughs) end papers you know like uh you know they, they they put together a nice product over there and to be fair vault puts together a nice product over there too my boy tim daniel does all the design for those guys and he's great I'm totally um, captivated by Vault. Uh, by their design, you mean? Everything, like a, a lot of their, what I've read of their books, um, I've I've enjoyed very much. And the standards, I think, are are relatively high. I mean, they're 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 getting better all the time, which isn't to say nice job. You know what I mean? Like you're getting better for an indie publisher. I think they are very close to the top. Um, from the design aesthetic, the the artists they got working with them, uh, the the stories, uh, the series they choose to publish, are are amazing. What I've read, right? Look at Barbaric, Wasted Space. Um, there's just a ton of of really clever. Uh, like Giga was great. Hollow Heart was really good. Uh, I, I think Vault is kicking. Um, they're in the running. You know, I heard uh, Jason on here one time sort of be a little bit uh, like talk talk them down a little bit. I didn't know you were on board like that. Oh, hell yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. They've got the the money shot over there, too. That's Um, one of the ones I haven't read that I want to read. I read the first uh, chunk of it um, and it's super fun. Like, I think it's a a top tier vault as far as what I've read. Uh, So I I would recommend it. It's fun. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, Finger Guns was one was a vault too. That's why I brought them up, um, and because it, I was talking about the design and this being very good, I didn't want to make it sound like that design wasn't because that was very good also. Um, yeah, Maids by Katie Skelly. I give it a, a a pretty high recommendation. Like if you like like sort of a true horror stories, you know, like uh, psychological horror, that type of thing, where they like this is one of those books where they put you in the in the minds and in the POV of these girls who are going to do this horrible thing. I mean, they're ripping eyeballs out and stuff. Like it gets pretty wild. Nice. Um, and and yeah, I dig I dig that sort of thing. So I th- this this is my top Katie Skelly because uh, I like it a little better than I like that vampire one. So out of two, my number one. Sweet. Speaking of money shot, um, you know Tim Seeley. And mm-hmm. Sarah Beatty, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you follow Sarah on Twitter? Yeah. She's hysterical. She yeah, is. funny lady. Yeah. And, I mean, she's beautiful, but um, uh, she's got a brain to match. And I love self-deprecating humor. And I think she's one of the best. She's just like, like I'm, I'm looking at her latest tweet. And she's like, my mom asked me if I was a lesbian. I was like, no way. I love big fat cocks in my mouth. Like, <laughs> I, I get a, a giggle uh, all the time from Sarah. That's why I should have been reading Money Shot, you know, from issue one. But yeah, I'm stupid. Yeah, for sure. So now I got to get the, the trades. 
I think there's like two or three of them at this point now. Right. So you, yeah. You got plenty to get caught up on. I know. Right. I'm hoping that uh, Vault, uh, with the success of Barbaric and uh, and uh, and their other books, that they uh, start with the Omnibus, because uh, Wasted Space is 25 issues and then it's done. So that's a perfect size omnibus, right? We'll see. Fingers crossed for Vault. But I'm, uh, I was I was looking at the uh, Skelly uh, and the Maids. There's not a whole lot on the Googles from that. Uh, really? Just yeah, just the cover, maybe uh, one interior page. I picked up on. It looks really good, but I wish I could see more. Oh, that's interesting. I'll go to yeah, Fantagraphics I- after the show and, and check it out. I'm sure they have a couple pages up there. Yeah, I think you would dig it. I mean, if you've seen Katie Skelly, it's oh, like yeah. that. They're maids in the 1930s. Um, yeah, I think you would dig it. Oh, and then that, like reading that, <laughs> reading like a dark maid story. I think I mentioned it on here before, but I'm in the middle of reading this uh, very long uh, manga series about a maid. It's like manga Downton Abbey. Um, it's called Emma by uh, Karu Mori. Uh, she does this other book called A Bride's Tale. Um, and this was a book that was like a, a DC uh, when they did, I think when they did CMX back, you know, 10 years ago or oh, wow. 15 years ago. Uh, so it was one of those. And when I was when I was watching Downton Abbey, somebody was like, yo, you should check out this comic if you like that. And uh, it is, it's like, if you like Downton Abbey, it's sort of like the story of, uh, told from like Anna's POV. Um, except she ends up, you know, like falling in love with the master of the house, and they, and then the scandalous, and uh, so I'm, I think I'm, I'm all made it up now, and I might jump back into that and, and finally finish that thing because I've got the whole thing here, and I just haven't read to the end of it. But it's beautifully drawn. Like the lady Karumori is like a, she describes herself as an Anglophile, and so like she, all the details of like the the British. Uh, like that period made stuff are all like very intricate and detailed. Um, yeah, it's 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 a fun, uh, you know, like soap opera comic. Nice. I'm looking at some images. I love you, but yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. haven't talked about a thing for you tonight. Sorry. <laughs> I I I don't know how far I would get in this. The drawing's great, but there was something yeah. else you the mentioned. Drawing. Uh, the drawing in uh, in the maids or not the maids in the a bride's tale that she did uh, is I think is much better and and that one's interesting because it's like it's about a an arranged marriage where like the your hero the girl has to she's like a seventeen eighteen year old and she has to get married to uh, like an eight year old boy wow just because like how her family. Uh, <laughs> the way that arranged marriage would work is like ways to um, for families to be in business with one another and stuff right. like that. And yeah. She was single at 18 and was like an old maid. And so then she has to get married away to like the, like she missed a generation. And so now she has to get married to this young kid. Uh, and that's really interesting. But the drawing in that one is, uh, is beautiful. Like the detail in it, I think you would get a kick out of it again. Maybe not a, a story that you would care about. Right. Oh, there's there's no uh, slam in this artwork. It is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. But um, you were talking about another book that you were either reading or. or... Oh yeah, beforehand we were talking about uh, about the holy terror stuff about the <laughs> <Miller> stuff. <laughs> what do you think of that? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, <clears throat> like I said before we started talking, like I don't think any any of us are equipped to solve the problem of, of how do we deal with problematic stuff. Um, but I I did give the book another read because as a Frank Miller you know completist I have it um, and I hadn't uh, and I hadn't read it since it came out and at the time when it when it came out uh, I was probably you know it was like ten years ago and I feel like culturally we've learned a lot in ten years right and yeah and not which is not to say that you know like I was a Islamophobe ten years ago or anything but I feel like we're more sensitive now than we were 10 years ago. So definitely in rereading it, I, I said, I saw like four pages where if I'm the editor of that book, I'd be like, let's not do that. You know, like the, I feel like there's a, probably a, a way that we could do this, but also at that point, Frank Miller, um, you know, and at this point too, you know, he just writes his own ticket. Like he, I, I'm sure he doesn't get edited in the way that, you know, regular folks get edited. So I'm not necessarily putting it on the editor of that book, but I'm just saying, like, with a few cuts, I don't think we would be having this conversation today. But as a comic book, you know, take all the... <laughs> not that you can really take all the politics out of it, but, like, if you're just looking at it and not reading it, Vince and I, I think, agree that it's uh, it's beautiful. You know, yeah. like, it's... Like, I love... Um, I love the whole the whole Frank Miller, you know, like I love when he's, you know, daredevil. I don't really care before he sort of turned into himself on in like daredevil time. Uh, like he's a, a competent guy, you know, but when he, when he becomes the Frank Miller and then from there until now, you know, anytime he does something, I want to look at it just because even though you can like, like a Charles Schultz, you know, like when his line got, scratchier i think it was more interesting yes um and, and i don't know that i think frank's stuff is more interesting now but it's definitely interesting to to me so uh without like commenting on the <laughs> the politics of it and the cancellation or, or at least i don't feel um i don't feel like i have anything th that i could add to that conversation um but it, it was something that came up that, that made me want to jump back and take a look. Cause I was just like, Oh shit. Was that? Cause I mean, I guess to talk about it a little bit, you know, like thought bubble canceled Frank Miller's appearance at their show because a vendor, uh, like another um, attendee of the show was like, was a Muslim woman. And she was like, I'm, I don't feel safe going to a place where Frank Miller is going to be there. And he's going to, you know, like the kind of, crowd that that would bring and the et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, that's wild. I, like, cause I read the book and I, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint what, you know, what that meant. And, right. and so I, I reread it and I get it, you know, like, but at the same time, I don't know what you do about it. Um, yeah, well, that, uh, how do you how do you talk about this book? Um, so, I, like to put it in context, it was going to be Batman in the Dark Knight universe. It was going to yes. come after Dark Knight Two, and so it's a story about Batman and Catwoman on a night when uh, Al Qaeda attacks Gotham City, and 
and then just Batman just goes ape shit on them, basically. Yeah. And it and it came out of Frank like in the middle of Dark Knight Two, nine eleven happens, and Frank becomes you know very affected by that. Yes. And this is sort of like his like his final word on that situation, you know, like on on the the feelings he was having about that. And it's not a uh, like I was I was talking to another friend about it and. I don't think anybody goes to Frank Miller to get like a nuanced, subtle, you know, like well-reasoned take. Like he's a pulp writer. And so while he can do stuff that's transcendent, like I don't think that's what, what you expect going in, you know? Right. It's definitely not born again, but. Um, right. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. I, I think, I, I mean, I'll be totally honest. Um, judge me as you will. I love the book. Um uh, I may not love the sentiment in the book, but I love the fact that he was hurt, he was wounded, his city got um, uh, irreparably scarred from this event, and this is a gut-level reaction. Like a lot of America, I mean, when, when that happened, there were people um screaming for blood and i don't i'm not saying that's the right approach or but that was the right approach for those people right um this was frank's reaction to what happened and to 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 not to to cut this frank off from the guest list of this show because he had a a gut level reaction to something that wounded him like can do we not live in a world where artistic expression is is okay? I'm not saying the 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 message may not have been politically correct, right? But he should have been. Well, he was. He he had a forum in which to express his reaction. It's a piece of art. Like, are, are you going to get you know the artist behind Piss Christ to to apologize for what he did? Frank shouldn't apologize for this. It's the way he felt at well, the that- time. He's not think, shooting people now. Right. I, you know? I think where, like, the line that I saw that, that seemed a little iffy to me, well, not iffy, but I was like, well, that's wrong, is um, because the whole time, like, Batman's furious at terrorists, you know? and But then at a certain point, he starts to say, like, it starts to feel like, oh, well, they're all, they're all terrorists, you know? Um, and I'm not, it, it's the fixer. It's not Batman, to be clear. They t- they turned they shaved the ears off Batman and made him into this other character. Yeah, with um, guns. With <laughs> yes, he definitely has guns. Um, but that's the that's what I feel like the line is like a big plot point of the thing is that like how remember like Fox News was like they're building a mosque near near Ground Zero, um, and in this like there there was a mosque and underneath the mosque is like a secret villain's lair and the, right. that's where they're getting yeah. all attacks from. It's just like all right, you know like. This is too much, you know. Like the, if if your reaction to what happened on nine eleven is a fantasy thing about, well, they're all like this, then then I don't like I don't see why you need that part of it, you know. Like it was horrible enough what happened. Right. Like you don't have to add in that also they they have a secret lair under a mosque. Well, you mean you could believe him when he says he wasn't thinking clearly. Um, <laughs> you know, the jury's still out on that. That could have been his way of of uh, escaping the criticism. Of of what he did, but um, I think it was pretty clear he was not thinking clearly in those days. Like that, that's sure. sort of on the record. Yeah, um, but it it is a knee jerk, gut level, instinctual expression, and and he made it, um, such as it is, 
and uh, I don't think the guy should be condemned for it. He's he's gone on record saying, "Yeah, I don't think like that anymore," or you know, "I realized I made some mistakes with that book." Um, again, that could just be clever wordplay to to dodge the bullet. I don't know, but um, as an artistic statement, I'm not saying the book is is uh, a masterwork or up there with his his uh, his best works. But I, I I love the book. I think the 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 thumb prints between the panels and within the panels and the the it looks like he got um a screen from a screen door and 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 just like slapped it on the page inked it up and slapped it on the page um it's it's immediate it's visceral it's raw it's brutal it's bloody all those things uh, i just i see beauty in all the art i think the art is just among his best yeah i agree with that i mean it's very emotional and very and like very um like it, it looks alive like it has action and motion and like his stuff often does but like when he was doing sin city the early sin city stuff when it was tight which i think is like a lot of people's favorite you know where it's just like a graphic yeah uh, like 1980s style graphic you know like art deco um that was a, he i mean he's a genius so it had motion to it but his stuff as it got looser, I felt like moved. You know, like by the time you get to like Family Values and Helen Back and Dark Knight Two, uh, each one of them sort of becomes more and more immediate and more and more uh, like animated and 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 present. Yeah, um, you, you got to see his work in the in the back pages of DK Three. It is. Super, yeah, I wish they would put out loose. a collection of those. I I remember those little mini comics in the middle of them. Yeah. Is it just reprinted with the the hardcover? Yeah. But full size, the yeah. regular regular yeah. size. It's in the back of the book. Yeah, I think they're great. Uh, but I can remember um, when the uh, individual issues of TK uh, three were coming out, the uh, reception at the local shop was not favorable to Frank's work. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's such a difference from where he was at. You know, even fifteen years ago. You know, like this guy really took a took a journey. You know, right? Like, yeah. The stuff at his beginning of his career looked different than his art ten years in, looked different than Ronin, you know, like and and you know, add to that getting older and you know, like I hear guys talk about like when they start drawing big heads, you know, like when they start getting older and they're drawing like big heads and big hands, that's when they could tell that like it's time to figure out what they're gonna do. You know, and he definitely was doing big heads, you know, <laughs> like he yeah. and big hands and and everything else, but the difference is that he's, you know, he's got that back catalog that he basically can just live forever, not doing whatever he wants, you know. Yeah, yeah. One assumes. Well, I mean, end of the day, would I let him watch my children if they were young? Probably not, right? But you know, uh, that's part of the allure with Miller: the danger, uh, the unpredictability, um, the 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 fits of rage. That's why I love Frank Miller because he's. It, it, there's an honesty to his work, such as whatever that honesty is. He could be um, politically incorrect, like he is in the pages of Holy Terror, but at least he's honest about it, right? Um, maybe not there, now, there, but then. I want to be clear saying that I think there are three or four pages in this thing that are not just politically incorrect, but are racist. Okay, you know, straight up. I was, just, I was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this is not working for me. 
and, and as a as like an apologist, you know, as like somebody that will go along with Frank on on whatever journey he's going to go on. But like this one even stopped me short a few times. And but I'm saying that now. When I read it ten years ago, I read right through it and was like, "Oh, yeah, the fucking Batman's mad at those terrorists," you know. But and, but that's just me being, you know. I was only a boy of thirty-two years old <laughs> when this book came out. But so does the work have to speak to you in the language to which you're accustomed for you to appreciate it? Um, no, no. I'm just saying, like, could could you read the most disgusting racist creed? ever composed but the language is beautifully constructed and i think if we're talking about just the written word in that case i feel like it's one and the same thing if, if you're talking about like a comic you know my <laughs> well okay they kick it over into sequential art like yeah. just say um holy terror was a hundred times more um uh racist i guess if you want to say that uh, right would that take away from the 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 entire package the entire statement like I so so you so. discount the art because the 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 narrative is racist as fuck uh i don't know it's interesting i mean like all three of us speak from a a, a place of privilege on this where you know like we can just overlook stuff because it's not you know, like, I could read that whole thing. He's not talking about me. You know, if anything, uh, you know, I'm closer to one of these shitty cops in the book than, than anybody else. And they're just, you know, chilling, being lazy. Right. Um, but so so I can't really speak to how it would feel if, like, the, the woman who complained about having to be at the show with him, you know, like, she definitely, t- like, that took that to heart. And 10 years later still remembered that shit and was just like, I can't believe, you know, like... So, I don't know. Like I said, it's 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 a lot to to try and unpack, and and I don't know that we're necessarily uh, the ones to unpack it. You right. know, although yeah. every time I come on the show, I feel like we end up talking about some canceled person or another, and so <laughs> yeah, I'm always in over my head on this show. Very political show you guys put on. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't wait for you to read some Scott Lobdell books, but the <laughs> there. The art is stunning. I, I, I love the contrast with the black and white. I love the shadows. I love the white skies and, and, and the buildings up against it and, and the characters flying through the air. It is... It's... It's a really nice-looking black and white story. There are phrases said, there are words used that... As Tony said, are racist, are offensive. I'm not one person to say, I'm not going to tell somebody what they should or shouldn't be offended by. Some art's going to offend, no doubt about it. Um, I am not going to tell somebody what they should be offended by. Um, I'm not going to try to say that, you know, oh, I don't think this character meant... I don't think this character is racist because the creator isn't racist. I, 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 I'm separating Frank from the characters on the page, but it's, it's quite apparent that, uh, that at the time this was made and it's been said that, you know, Frank was dealing with some shit and 
this is what it is. And it doesn't matter how many years we are removed from it, Frank's attitude and mindset may have changed. He's not the same person he was when this was published, and, and, and that's fine. I, I, I love when people grow. Um, you know, if we if we keep them, if, if we kept looking at Frank the way we did when Holy Terror came out, then we'd be pretty mm-hmm. shitty people because how do you, how you want somebody to change, but then they say they've changed and, and you don't believe it. it it's, it's retarded. So I just, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, because no, I, and I use that. I definitely, I use that word specifically. I, I know it's, it's, it, it's not something, it's not a word I throw around, but it, 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 it frustrates me. It aggravates me when, you know, you, you want to, you want to cancel someone, but then when they try to make amends or 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 say yeah i i fucked up you know but you're going to keep beating them up on something that they did 10 20 30 whatever how many years ago you know how what what's what what what's the end game then like just they 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 they've admitted the error of their ways they're they're trying to improve themselves turn the fucking page and move on if 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 you're going to continue to think or put them in 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 that box you kept them in Ten years ago, then then you're an idiot, and and right. so, um, but you know, in within context, with you giving this giving this book to someone at any time, even if nine eleven didn't happen, and the way the fixer carries on, and and he reacts to people in this book, and he treats the people in this book, and that he says things to them, the fixer's pretty fucking racist. And 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 there's no way around that. And and you know, uh, there's enough of that where, no matter what the character looks like, it's easy enough for me because of the words used by the characters. It's I was able to distance Batman from this character. Yeah, there may be some visual similarities, but 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 the character's actions um, aren't Batman to me. Yeah, I mean, you may know it's supposed to be, but that's that's that that's fine. But the book would have been the character would have behaved differently in certain areas if that was the case. And um but it's I'm not there, there's plenty of books out there that I've read or I haven't read and and I'm like, "Well, that was that was regretful and and man, I wish I wish that was never made." I mean, it, obviously I don't I, I don't want to censor anything. And I'm not trying to say something shouldn't be made. I it, me thinking that, oh, I just you know, I wish I never saw that is, is different <laughs> than me saying that you know I wish that never was created. I'm not going to say that, but um, well, I just, I mean, I feel like what you're talking about and and sort of my feelings on on it are similar. Where I just the context of the whole thing is important. Like I wish I knew when this book was actually drawn because I remember. When Dark Knight 2 is going on, they said, he's doing this thing, Batman Holy Terror, and that's going to be out next. You know, like, and then whatever, whatever, Frank Miller, it doesn't come out for 10 years or, or seven years after that. And it's not Batman anymore, and it's a different publisher. But when he drew it, I think, I mean, I don't know. I guess we're drawing little lines. And like, I guess I'm just, I'm just trying to be like, he's good. Like, you know, he, he made year one. Uh, but, but, uh, the, the argument that I heard originally about like him, him not going to this convention and all that stuff. And I was just like, I mean, are, it sounded like we were just like, 
that's why I brought out the book to reread it because at first it was just like I remember the book and I remember it being like his answer to how he felt about nine eleven and his his trauma and that sort of thing and it's the all of the original beef with it sort of ignored that nine eleven happened you know uh, and but then when I read in the book that he you know like we're post Iraq War at this point when this book's coming out and he's still talking about like it's mm. it's all of them. And you know, guessing the guy's name is Muhammad because everybody, there, yeah. everyone, <sighs> stuff like that. And then he tortures a guy to death, and you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that was just like, all right, man, if you made this anywhere close to when it came out, the you know, it's a problem. From I mean, a problem, you know, but I don't know what that means. Well, it's it's a, a person working through their demons, for sure. It's, I mean, there's. The only, I don't know why this particular creator j- just came to mind, but as, as as you were saying, Tony, I'm thinking about, you know, you, there are some, obviously this is, you know, he wrote and drew this, this was, you know, he, it, it, it finally found a publisher and, and Legendary took it and, and, and that's fine. So it's not like, it's not like anybody was paying Frank to say, hey, I want your name attached to something. This is the kind of story. You know, I, I want to pay you. I'm commissioning you to tell this story um, so that he, you know, Frank could have an out. If, if, But obviously this is this is all Frank. At the time, this is all Frank. Whereas um, I was a little sad to see another creator work on a book um, when the big lie came out and Rick Veach was attached to it. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, I mean, I've, I've, I've enjoyed everything Veach has done and, and granted, you know, there are some, some dark twisted stories in my man's head and he's committing, whether it's, it's Brat Pack or Max Immortal or whatever Rick wants to write and draw, even army at love. Like there's some fucked up shit going on in those stories, but you're now you're going to, tell a story published by image that um, I don't want to say mocks because it's also a time travel story where someone comes back in time and um, we, we find out what really went on about uh, the towers falling down on nine 11. And, and it's like, what? And, yeah, oh, it was, it was in the government inside job, and I'm like, why, why the fuck, why is Rick Veach telling this fucking story? What, 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 what is the, what, what is it that you know is inside somebody that says, I got to get this out there, and and there's there's at at no point, and this is me, I'm 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 projecting, but at no point did I ever think Rick Veach has a screw loose because that's you know. Nutters and conspiracy theorists, I tend to think that. And 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 if you're telling me that you know nine eleven is a fucking inside job, I I just I've I'm I'm looking at you all sorts of side eyed and 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 for someone who a creator that you know I I enjoy his work, I appreciate his talent, um, to do a story like that, I just it it's I'm not saying. You know, he let me down, but it's 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 a bit of a punch to the gut. I'm like, I I I I I guess maybe just I expect better 
more from certain people. And 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 you know, he doesn't know me from Adam. And you know, I wouldn't know him if I bumped into him on the street, probably. But it, it's it's a situation where I just I thought better of somebody, and and for someone like it, like I would expect a story like that to be told by I could rattle off five or six other comic creators that I think would find that story that they think it's worth telling. Veach wasn't one of them, but just like I really, there may have been signs after reading DK2, there may have been signs where you would think, you know, Frank's, Frank's holding on just barely. I think something's going to happen that's going to make him snap or, or, or just kind of change direction from what we're used to seeing from him. Um, there may have been signs, but I don't know if it's ghoulish or not, but to me, like, and I think Vince probably feels the same way. Like (laughs) the part, there's a part of that. That's so exciting, right? Exactly. It's just like, you're going to see the artwork of somebody that just like, you would never rarely get to see, you know, like if we had to go as a country had to go through this trauma, you know, like part of, you know, like, to some people, it's a bad thing, but to some people, it's like, oh, look at this interesting thing we that we now get to see because this all this horrible shit happened. Yeah, you know? no, I, to all people, nine eleven is a bad thing. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. To. Right, right. <laughs> I was saying some people. I don't bring up the big lie whenever Jason's on the show because he has um, made it very clear that you know his feelings about that book. And and the creator behind it. So when Jason's here, I don't bring it up. Whenever I uh, there there could be a chance to bring it up, but I I, uh, I think the big lie's great. Um, you, like you like all those YouTube coops as well. Like the, this is this sounds like it would be right up your alley. Yeah, no, I mean I, I, I while it's not within my um, mindset, I don't think that way. I don't believe that way, but I admire the courage. Um, and the he had to be extremely brave to put that book out, right? Because whether or not it's a it's a fantasy or a, a work of fiction is is irrelevant. He's you know he's coming out saying that there are uh, factual inaccuracies and and there there are things about this day that don't add up and make a whole lot of sense. And he draws the line to you know big cons- big plot big conspiracy. Um, like modern day Kennedy assassination. Sure, so. right, and yeah. and you know, um, from a publisher that was not um, attuned to to releasing stuff like that, like the the image had a very particular um, aesthetic, and and the big lie doesn't fit in with all that, right? But they published it, and it's 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 a it's a gaping, festering wound on the the image. Ovoir, but it's special to me because of that. Like I, I think it was insane that he published that book, but that's what attracts me to it. The insanity behind it, the the brazen um commentary in the book where he just didn't he like Frank, he didn't shiv. I'm gonna this is what I wrote and I'm gonna I'm gonna deliver it and you're gonna publish it and people receive it as they will, right? I, I don't think that you can I think some uh, a, a good part of the audience injects too much of their self into the work, right? Where if you get offended because someone is is speaking their mind through a work of art, that's not on the artist, right? That's on you, right? Right. So, if your um, name is Muhammad, 
well, of course you're going to take it personally, right? <laughs> but to to like Legendary has said that that book will never be reprinted, and I don't believe it should. I think yeah. no, that's a crime. Why why would you take that away? It's a work of I'm art. not saying I'm not saying to pulp it. I'm not saying to grab every single issue that's out there and burn them. I'm not I'm, I'm not saying it should never exist. I don't think it needs to be reprinted. So then there will be a time where that book will cease to exist. In in in, in, in the the copies you know, there may be some in a library somewhere. Huh? Yeah, aren't, doesn't the Library of Congress hold? Isn't there right, a, right, but I mean, in in the zeitgeist. Years ago, they do a Frank Miller, the complete works. You know, all the copyrights have lapsed. You know, like I'm sure they'll put it out with those complete works. Okay, but to just not publish something because it represents a viewpoint that doesn't click with the majority of thinking individuals. But they did publish it. They did. But but to not publish it again for that very reason, I think that's I mean, wrong. I'm saying we're not going to reprint this. Is sort of an empty. Uh, promise because what are they reprinting you know like they sold all of those to the people who wanted to buy them right there's not a huge demand for a reprint though it's not like you know it's not like dc saying we're not going to reprint dark knight returns right but we're not talking chap yap we're talking frank miller right (laughs) sure one of the greatest uh comic book creators ever right and to shortage of frank miller stories there are other frank miller stories that are readily available but I that's besides the point. The man created this. Like this came like a scholarly uh, look at this man's whole career. You you may want you know you may have people that that are like well, I would like to get a copy of that book. But I, what I'm saying is I think there are enough copies of it out there for okay. everybody who would want one. Right. But so what I'm saying is to strike the book, to 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 extricate the book from the zeitgeist because it does not fit in with established modes and 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 ways of conducting oneself and thinking that's just wrong because if you're where does that kind of thinking end right yeah, Vince, uh, you i know. think you're overreacting like i don't think they're do- anyone's doing that i think like but they're trying to forget that saying, it exists by not reprinting it no I, oh, well who's they who's they because there are some people who might want to forget it does exist because it offends them and that's but, fine if it offends them don't 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 your offense does not mean that other people can't consume something. Exactly. So, but but that doesn't. They're not. If they don't want to see it anymore, that's that's fine. That's one thing. But but to 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 go back to press and 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 release tens of thousands of copies. That's what's what's that going to sir? How is that going to? That's not moving forward. That's not. That, that that's because that's just the thing. It's not about moving forward. But anybody who reads it today is going to have today's mindset, and we're going to get the whole thing all over again. And, right? That Frank Miller's a racist bastard, and that's obviously not true. Well, the Frank Miller that created this could have been a right. racist bastard, but that's right. just the whole they're thing. Going to use it, but they're going, but 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 purchasing it today, they're not going to purchase it today. Read it with today's mind and eyes. And 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 think, oh, this is how he was ten years ago. They're they're going to think this is how he is today. Well, that's that's on them. Yes, right? it is. But that that's the thing. That's another point I'm trying to make. the The intent is irrelevant. the The context is irrelevant. the The fact that it was it was made in the wake of a terrible event is almost irrelevant. He was feeling a way. He needed to work through it. He made a piece of art to hopefully purge that, right? There's no 
getting better. There's no uh, recriminations or growing. Not ascribe like bad intent. You are ascribing good intent that he's just like, let me get this out so that I can no longer. Oh no, was I'm I'm not assuming that it was good intent. He was pissed. He was he was cut and wounded, and he he wanted to get this out right. So, but what I'm saying is this whole thing about. you know uh, the the serial offenders for whatever case growing and 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 healing and getting better that's not the point the point was this is how he felt in the time that he made this this is an artistic statement to to view it with contemporary eyes isn't entirely fair right if you look at the stuff that came out of germany in world war 2 right we look at it now we think oh my god this is horrible but there was a lot of people that put their thumbprint on that and it's like, yeah, this is great. Like, let's let's publish this. But it it's of a time. We should learn from it. But I'm not expecting Frank to grow at all because there's no growing. This thing exists from page one to the last page. That's it. This it's is printed. it's it's a time Moment. capsule. Yeah. yeah. So so just to try and whitewash that as like, oh, I don't I don't want anybody to ever see that because I was like an asshole back then. Yeah, maybe you were. And I think people should see it because it was a statement you made. It should stand the test of time for good and for bad. I see that. that so you're imprinting that. You think Frank is saying I, I it shouldn't exist. I don't want anybody else to see it. You can't unsay if that's. But if that's Frank's wishes, who's the creator of the story? You're saying, oh no, no, I think it should. Like, but, but no, who are the big what? No, all no art should go away. You're saying story over everything, like art over. I'm art saying over art over everything. everything. Yeah, you made this thing, whether you want to stand by it or not. I don't really give a shit. It's it's a piece of art that. If a, if a pipe bursts at the printer and, and one of my comics comes out all red. And I go like, I'd like to get those back. You go like, too late, man. This one's out here. It's in too the late. World. You've released it to the world. Yeah, <laughs> you've said it. You can't unsay it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think the art is preeminent, um, even over the creator. I I don't give a shit what the creator wants. Uh, you the the art is, is exists independently from the creator. It is what it is. Yeah, I think you're on record as as that being your like where you stand and i and i almost feel like i'm i feel the same way a lot of the time except for when i do like i can't not like because i have empathy i cannot can't not read a thing and think well this this is uncomfortable you know like this this if if i were a different person you know like if i were a muslim person or in some things like if i were a woman or if i was a gay person or whatever uh i can't help but think like this is uncomfortable you know sure yeah, I get that. Yeah, and 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 if it's uncomfortable for me, how does it feel for somebody who's not just empathetic, but is a Muslim person or a gay person or a woman or you know whatever? Right. But for a bunch of black splatters on a page, beautiful. N- well, yes, but but in in essence, for uh, a scattered assemblage of of thumbprints and black lines and titties and violence <laughs> to push someone into a zone where they feel uncomfortable like that's powerful shit right i'm not saying it's good yeah but it still speaks to the power of of art right oh i don't think anyone would argue that that frank miller can make powerful artwork right like yeah. that's sort of what he does that's the that's the thing you're buying and and just just so i don't seem like you know the the, the biggest scumbag on the planet that that's what attracts me to this book. It's it's not. Um, yes, I, I am somewhat concerned for the people offended by this book. It's you know it's tough, 
but but the fact that this these things that came from this man's hand can fuck up your entire day or week or month right <laughs> to the point where you don't want to even be in the same room with this guy that's some some powerful stuff that's what i uh, i is is the thing that draws me to this book because it it there there's a it's dangerous right it 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 it, it has teeth whereas it's not archie right it's not riverdale or or you know Bent ten or or it it's it's not something that you consume and you forget about. I would think that anybody who's ever read Holy Terror is going to retain a piece of that, however slight. They're, I mean, whether it's just like, oh my God, he was fucked up when he made that book. Even if it's that, like, there's a piece of Holy Terror that has infected you. This book is now has become a virus, and I gotta <laughs> respect that. I have to. I gotta respect it. I'm Fish. not. I'm not co-signing the the sentiment in the book, but it gets its hooks in you, right? What I think is like an interesting um, exercise whenever I come up against something like this where I'm not sure how to feel about it. And I think um, with things that deal with religion, I ha- like I'm more likely to to give a pass so that people can just say whatever the fuck they want. Cause I'm not religious and I think it's all magic and nonsense and, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, so like, in, I feel like to a certain extent, I like when I read this the first time around, I was like, yeah, he's mad at some, you know, these people have a different religion, you know, but if I think about like, what if he had the fixer standing on some, somebody's back because they were black or because they were gay, you know, it's just like, Oh, you're all have the same name. It's Philip or what, you know, like, you know, I don't. I don't know if Philip is necessarily Chad. a game. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like, prepare for all the hate mail from all the Chads listening. <laughs> all the Phillips. You know what I'm saying. Like, if that was the book, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We'd be like, remember when Frank Miller used to make comics before he put out that crazy yeah. thing where he stood on a gay person's back and then blew them up? You know. Yeah. So I think it is an interesting. Um, uh, it just depends on how close to the bullseye he he the, the story gets. Like like you said, if you're extremely religious, if you're Muslim, yeah, the, this book is going to wrinkle your fe- uh, ruffle your feathers. But to someone like you or I who really doesn't care about any kind of religion, like wh- whatever, so they have, he 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 offended your whatever your god or whatever. Like oh no, um, so yeah, it did, so so for us, we're way out on the target. But for some people, like, they're hitting dead center on this, which I can like, understand. Like Ibrahim grew up obviously um, religious, and then now he's not so much. But he still has a pretty good take on, you know, like what people are pissed off about, and what you know, like what's a what's a line that's been crossed and stuff like that. I'd be interested to hear his thoughts on this, but I don't think he'd ever read it because he doesn't give a shit about uh, post, you know, year one Frank Miller. Right. Or, I don't even know if he cares about that Frank Miller. He's he's not into the more expressionist Frank Miller stuff. Right. So there you go. Wow. Thanks for bringing that up. You brought it up. I know, because I knew we'd go on a jag. <laughs> right? Anyway, we've solved uh, racism, so... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Put the timestamp, Vince, so people can get racism solved easy. Come to our show. Day. Yes, and, and, and start the episode. we have the solution. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I have the solution, though. It's pretty easy. If you want to get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. There's really only one 
place to go. And that's Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has the books you want at the price you want to pay. Write these down. You're going to be hearing a lot about these this month. Aftershock's Chicken Devil, number one, $2.49. Oni, Dirtbag Rapture, number one, $1.99. And from Red 5 Comics, Merlin and Hector, number one, $2.17. It's crazy. Where are you going to find a full-size issue for $2.17? I know where. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. In your travels. Um, my man was um, overjoyed because he sold a good number of this comic. As well he should. <laughs> because he is amazing. Oh, um, God. Uh, pretty much my favorite illustrator, right? I've said that a bunch of times. I'll say it again. Uh, but he has found a way, uh, an equation unique to himself, right? Where he's found a way to merge the crazy, psychedelic body horror. Uh, I don't want to call it superheroes because these people don't act like heroes. But um, <laughs> uh, the 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 Cronenbergian distorted lens through which uh, he renders his uh, characters with autobiography. Like he started this a while back and, and, and uh, I think that this comic is the crystallization of, of what he always was trying to do. Uh, I mean, successful, but none more than this. This is Cancor, Anamnesis by matt allison and uh it's incredible what he what he does is he he uses the backdrop of these wild uh characters just extremely the design is just impeccable right but he uses the 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 interaction between these disturbing characters with an autobiographical story where he uh tells that um uh, he tells of a turning point in his life where he gets a letter from Jim Woodring that was replying to his work in detail and 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 giving him pointers and and stuff to to ease his progression to the point where he wanted to be and it it flip-flops between the the otherworldly and a, a not so straight retelling of uh Matt being at a convention. There's actually two Matts in this thing. But, I mean, read it. I'm not going to explain it. But um, he, he goes uh, into this this uh, extended narrative about him working at a place and this this guy used to come by and, and tap on, uh, like, with, with a pen. Used to tap on. Like, and the, the very... Um, particular space between the taps he would do it exactly the same every time and matt says that where he's extremely sensitive hypersensitive to sound to noises and i i i have never felt closer to matt allison than right now after reading this because i have the exact same thing i'm extremely sensitive to sound M my hearing is is very acute but um, little sounds drive me absolutely insane. 
Like if somebody's eating and they like they smack their lips, there's there's a um, a sequence in here where Kankor is is talking to this Doctor Error character, and he's making sounds, and Kankor keeps getting enraged, and then there's a a, a cutaway of Kankor's brain. And Robert Williams on steroids, like he is incensed. He has all these characters freaking out inside of his brain. He can barely contain himself. Um, the, the the tendrils are streaming from this guy's head. That's exactly how I feel when I hear these these noises. Like um, my boss will come in to my office in the morning, and he has this little tin cup, and he fills it with raisin bran, and he uses a metal spoon, and he'll sit there and eat this fucking raisin bran and he goes ting 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 scrape 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 ting 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 scrape 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 and it's all i can do from i mean i know it's irrational i i i totally agree it's an irrational thing that erupts in me when i hear these sounds but i i i can't help myself and i just sit there and time just stops I, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't concentrate on my work. All I hear is this ting, 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 scrape, scrape, scrape. My blood boils. And that's detailed in this book magnificently. Like I can totally, totally understand where Matt is coming from. And, and you know, just so you don't think that, that Matt Allison is a superficial prick, some things bother people, right? I get it. And, and mm-hmm. maybe not to the extent that, you know, Matt and I feel – but it's still it, it's it's a it's a little thing that that totally incenses obviously us. But my point being, he takes that little personal glimpse into his soul and works it into a narrative featuring hyper muscled, distorted characters beating the fuck out of each other. <laughs> and there's a couple panels that you th- would think that Frank drew. <laughs> he's got that 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 neat wiggly scrapey uh it, it's not his there's a couple panels where it's not his typical chiseled line and um uh i just think this book is magnificent um matt allison is a tip-top thinker that means something after you read this you'll understand better but oh man this is just impeccable comic book making like there's there's nobody doing what matt allison does and the just go get this. Where do you get this? I think it's cankorcomic.com, right? David, is it? Uh, you can hit him up on Instagram. Yeah, face or Twitter too, right? Yeah. Um, let me just make sure. Um, it's it's just amazing. Um, and and there are people picking up. I mean, aside from the the ad house book, uh, there are people picking up on Matt's brilliance because he moved a, a good number of these things. Um, he was he was very happy to relay that information, which is great. Cankorcomic yeah, dot com, C A N K O R comic dot com. Yeah, he's in a class all by himself. It's it's a fantastic issue. I I I couldn't stop just flipping through it. Um, and you can uh, also get it with a... St- oh, actually, I'm looking at the website right now. Sold out, yo. Good for him. So hopefully he'll be going back to press. Um, I'm sure he so, will. Yeah. So you can get it. And uh, and a sticker. 
Uh, even the um, the beautiful enamel pin is sold out, which I've been lucky enough to have on my denim jacket downstairs. But um, yeah, this was a fantastic issue. I loved it a lot. I love the biographical, the autobiographical section. It, it's man, I just I'm always smiling whenever I see. Uh, I know how much Vince loves to know when I smile, but I, I just I love seeing um, Matt's lines. It's it's. It soothes me, it, even though, which is odd considering what he's drawing. But it is. It, it's just the, what he does with a pen. It's ridiculous is, what it, he does it, with a micron. It's so stupid, man. He shouldn't I mean, I, be able to do it. I spent I spent high school messing around with microns and using them like you know for my math tests and shit like that. I'm using them as regular pens and and trying to get better at at, at using them so I can manipulate lines and shading and, and it's like, Oh, I'm just going to do a whole fucking comic with him. Fuck you, man. I just, it's, it's so, so good. And, and if, um, you know, if, if, if you got the trade from Madhouse, you know, good for you because you know exactly what we're talking about. This, this one shot is, um, is fabulous. If, if you see him at a con, stop by his table, pick up whatever you can from him. Um, and he, he he's a legit nice dude too. He's super cool, but the work he does is uh, is wonderful, man. I'm 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 so glad he decides to uh, to make comics. Uh, in your travels, um, the other anthology. Speaking of Ad House, this is called Cover Not Final: Crime Funnies by Max Huffman, and it, it appears. I didn't know this until I got to the uh, last page where the notes break down uh, the stories in this little, little, legit, little smaller than a manga um, collection have uh, are reprinted elsewhere. But what I love about this, uh, there's there's uh, seven or so stories in this, um, and there's. There are puns, and the wordplay in here uh, is is just is fantastic. There's just there's some different art styles throughout that Max employs, uh, giving each story its own little kind of feel. There seems to be one particular character who um, kind of sneaks his way through into a few of the stories, um, and uh, he's not necessarily the thread connecting everything. But he does play a part in uh, in in some of the stories. He's he's known as career criminal. He's got his little domino mask. He wears a looks like a tuxedo, um, and his bow tie. But uh, this was just this was just a lot of fun. It was it it just I didn't know what to expect. Again, it's one of those things where I saw the ad house solicit in previews. This was what was being offered that month, and um, it was uh, it. it it was kind of a no-brainer because I mean it 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 retails for nine ninety-five according to the cover. I have no idea what what DCBS was selling it for, but um, it's it's just it's crazy. It's out there. I I did get to um, I thought I gave the slackers a sneak peek because uh, there's one scene where um, there's one story where um, noun and out with. Uh, Doctor website uh, involves the um, the main character of the story. He's walking around with a guitar, um, and uh, and he confronts somebody who takes the guitar, and uh, 
the guy ends up Dr. Website breaks the guitar and escapes in a car because secret rocker knowledge, every guitar contains one regular sized car. It's just 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 no reason. Just complete I, I gotta wrap this story up, so this is how the guy's gonna get away. And it's just it's it's ridiculous. But like I said, the wordplay is 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 fun. Um there's uh there's there's a detective story where he um our investigator says, looks like the guy got himself a lifetime subscription of fucked up and dead weekly and it just expired. And then he pulls out the whole, um, what you'd find at, uh, Sherman Williams or Benjamin Moore, the whole little paint chips on the key ring. And he's, he's flipping through it, going through all the colors. And you go like, yup, that's blood. And it's just like, why wouldn't you just, it's just, just little corny, funny things that are just drawn and thrown onto the page and, and, uh, and witty remarks. Um, but Max Huffman lives in uh, Carborough, North Carolina. This is his first comic with a barcode. There's a little piece of trivia for you. But, yeah, in your travels, if you can find it, if you get your hands on it, um, if uh, maybe, maybe Chris will have some copies, hopefully, if he does have a table at, uh, at Heroes Next Year. Maybe he will. I'd like to think, you know, he might still have a table, even though he's kind of, you know, done publishing stuff. But he still has things to to sell right so i'm hoping i'm hoping we'll see him at heroes and he'll be behind i mean i'd love to see him walking around the con and we can hang out with him but i hope he has a table where we can stop go through his um his milk crates and boxes of 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 things that you know he's been collecting over the years and are available for sale but if you could find if, if you can get your hands on uh cover not final i'd uh i recommend it it's it's it really is a um it's a fun time so that's my new travels. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, I I sort of blew my in your travels because I was going to say that uh, made manga called Emma, uh, but I was just sort of rolling on maids after talking about the Katie Skelly thing. So I, I accidentally rolled right into it. I shot my wad. Um, uh, but check out Emma and A Bride's Tale by Karu Mori. That's my in your travels. Um, and then also update. Uh, I don't remember if it was an in your travels or just a book I talked about on here previously. Um, but Jack Kirby's Dingbat Love, uh, the hardcover from Tomorrow's Publishing, is on sale this month of August uh, for half off. So it's regularly a $44 book. It's a $22 book right now on the Tomorrow's website. Uh, so if you were on the fence about that or like if you heard about it and it sounded cool, but you're just like $44 is a lot, uh, now it's half price. So, uh, you know, go grab that. Uh, I, I still love that book. Um, and in your travels, read Stray Dogs. Uh, all the issue one through five reprints came out yesterday. And those are our final printings. Um, we're not going to go back to press any more on it. Uh, the free comic book day comes out um, in a week, I think. Yeah. On the 15th? No, on the 14th? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday's the 14th, yeah. <laughs> on free comic book day. If, you, uh, if you've heard me on here all these times and are just like, uh, he keeps talking about this fucking thing. Uh, it will be free, uh, and it'll be the first issue. Uh, so that, I would recommend that on Free Comic Book Day. Um, and then the trade comes out um, a month later in August. So if you get the Free Comic Book Day and you're just like, well, I got to know what happened. It's available on Comixology and all of the places you buy comics online. Uh, but you can also get these uh, the final reprints, which we sold a fuck ton of. So they should be everywhere. 
Um, so you should like if you're if you read the first issue and you want to find the rest of them, you should be able to. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. I got a question. Yes, sir. Uh, in the eventual collection. Yes. Are you going to include all of the movie poster pastiches, or is that going to be like a separate book? Uh, in the trade paperback, it's just the A covers, the B covers, and the second printing covers. Um, just because of like a page, like a, a length thing. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there's like 50 of them. Um, but if, you know, like the hope is that if we ever do it, it's, you know, like it's not great advertising to say, like, in the book that's coming out in a couple weeks, there will be a few of them. But if you wait for a few years, there will be a collection of all of them. Um, but. Yeah, that, I mean, the eventual plan is to put something out that just has everything, because right now we're also working on uh, uh, Stray Dog's Dog Days, which is the follow-up. It's a anthology-style um, book about where it's ten short stories, one about each of the dogs um, from from Stray Dogs. Um, and that, presumably that would also be collected later on in, like, a big, you know, Criterion Collection version. Nice. Um, but there's no plans for that right now. That's all sort of... Uh, at Image's discretion, um, but the book seems to have done well enough that you know, like it, it wouldn't be uh, surprising if we did that. But you should definitely just buy the trade anyway and give it to your friends for Christmas. That's a good idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah All right. Hey, we thank you for listening to this here thing. Uh, if you want more 11 o'clock comics, you know where to go. Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook, the TikToks. Uh, to tentatively because we're working on that. Um, and if you would be so kind, you want to check out our Patreon. What's that whole Patreon thing about? Well, go to eleven uh, Patreon dot com forward slash eleven o'clock comics, and you'll see there's a whole lot of shaking going on over there, and uh, a lot more to come. Uh, we got to thank Tony for saving our bacon when you know Jason goes globe hopping as he's want to do. Tony steps in every time. It's a good thing. It's a nice breath of fresh air, Tony. I get so excited anytime I'm listening to an episode and Jason's like, I'm be out of town next weekend. I'll just be like, oh, yes, here we go. Do you run over to your so calendar t- and pencil it in? <laughs> just, he keeps holding on to the phone with a death grip. It's like, text me already. <laughs> <laughs> then the episode will come out and you'll have, some, you'll have Jeff Lemire or something. I'll just be like, you motherfuckers. Fair enough. <laughs> so you lied to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was never promised anyway. But well, I thought we had an exclusive, but from all the podcasts you've done recently, I, I guess I'm mistaken. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> Dude's over here. I've like, been, reaching, down. been reaching out. We'll share you. It's been a- Thank you. Yeah. But not the for The only long. place I can to talk about racism is here. Right. So. Such as. You have that exclusive. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> all right, everybody. Hey, uh, you know what to do. Say goodnight. Nice. Ding that love. <laughs> David. Uh, Wait, we gotta uh, do it again? Got, no. No, I mean the the, no, the 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 banging. Oh the banging. Good night. Yeah. Dingbat love. Dingbat love. Love a dingbat. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid, dingbat love. Jack would have probably liked that. I mean, he did name the book Dingbat Love. Sure, yeah. David. 
Ah, stealth. Well, Love you it. named it the Dingbats of Danger Street. I, this is a collection name. But I, yeah, I could see him being the right. title. Still Dingbat. It was a word he liked enough to put in a title, so. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Worked on. on me. Big I saw Barda. there was a thing called the Dingbats of Danger Street. I couldn't wait to read it. You have the single? Uh, no. I I've only read it. I've only read it in collection. Ah. It was one of those it's not expensive single. It's like twenty bucks tops, right? Oh no, it's not expensive at all. It's it's part of the um, first issue first special. Issue. Yeah, that yeah. DC ran. There, there's a lot of good books in there. There's a lot of detritus, but there's a lot of good books in there. There is a first issue special collection put out by DC. What, David? Two years ago? Of which one? All of them. Outsiders, um, Atlas, Dingbat, like the whole thing. They they collected all those first issue specials, Warlord, yeah, and put them yeah, in yeah, one yeah. one hardcover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. That I don't think it was two years ago. I think it was like within the past year or so. Oh well, I got it. it it's a good book. You can get Think Bats for about fifteen bucks. It's well worth it. Uh, the Cobra issue is great. I love that issue. Good stuff. Get a nine point six for only one hundred twenty five bucks. Oh boy! Look at that, speculators. All right, everybody, we're out of here. Thank you, Tony, very much. We love you. We always do. And um, love you guys. Thanks for having me. Miss you, Jason. You won't hear this, but I miss you. No. Come back next time. Maybe Tony will be here again. Who knows? Hey. <laughs> no. Jason will come back with some of that COVID, the exotic, oh, exotic COVID. Knock on wood. Yeah, I'm knocking. I'm knocking. He's gonna get the theta variant. He's gonna get the <laughs> shit. After talking about uh, races, and Tony will come back and talk about miles and say the uh, cats really weren't that bad. <laughs> Can't wait. That's it for that one. <laughs>